0: Welcome to r malicious compliance the movie in this
1: special extended
0: episode I'll be showing you some of the very best malicious compliance posts from the past year Let's get straight into the first one boss said no shorts I work at an office that sells bulk goods to businesses that use them like retail outlets, etc Our office doesn't usually have a strict dress code, but we recently got a new boss arse Who is quite literally the stick up my ass. He's constantly yelling at everyone about basic stuff like punching in a minute or two late or early, or being a word or two off the script during outbound and inbound calls. Dealing with him in general has made me hate the job more. As it's getting hotter, I've been wearing khaki shorts to work for the past few days, which is something I've always done for the past few years, and nobody has confronted me about it before. So I figured nothing would change this year, but boy was I wrong about halfway through my shift This boss comes to my desk and realizes i'm wearing shorts and is visibly annoyed He mutters something under his breath and goes back to his office an hour later I was called into his office where he proceeded to berate me about breaking dress code He was fuming and ended the meeting with from now on you follow dress code to the book or you're fired Say no more boss That night, I went home and read up on the dress code rules. There was, in fact, a rule against shorts, so I was annoyed, but I kept on. And then I found it. There is no rule preventing males from wearing skirts or kilts. Here is where I devised my plan. I immediately ordered a pink and white striped kilt online, as well as matching knee-high socks and a shirt. There was no rule stated in the dress code against any of this, surprisingly. About a week later the clothes arrived and here is what ensued the following workday. I walked in wearing my new pink business outfit and immediately the whole office is staring at me And the boss who came in to cover another boss's shift in the morning Was beat red in the face and yelled at me to go into his office He goes on a 10 minute rant about how i'm a useless employee and that he's going to fire me for not following the dress code to a t I simply stated I am in dress code. I urge you to read the employee handbook. He ended up reading the whole thing in front of me and I could see him getting more and more angry as he realized I didn't break any rules. I asked him, so am I free to go back to work? And he looked at me with a death glare, muttered something under his breath and waved me off. Now, I tell you what guys, there is not much more I like in this world than a man in a pink skirt i've always said that you can go back and watch my other episodes i've always said that in fact i say it about once per episode it's something i love so fair play to op you're making my dreams come true ooh ooh that is so cringe keep it in but anyway i've got to say uh this is great malicious compliance because if you're not allowed to wear shorts when it's super hot remember at school i remember at school we were told we weren't allowed to wear shorts sometimes when it was like 30 degrees i don't know what that is in fahrenheit but it's hot like super hot uncomfortably hot same as in work like if you're forced to wear your blazer or something or you're forced to wear trousers screw that man who really cares I don't but uh, yeah one last thing I've got a request is can I see that photo of you in a kilt because I want to I really do and I think you will do as well perhaps not as much as me but just a little bit let's move on now before we get into the next malicious compliance post first of all I need to give you lots some shout outs if you didn't already know I'm running the London Marathon on behalf of kids an amazing charity that helps young disabled children and their families and so far as a community we have raised over two and a half thousand pounds now the goal was initially set at two thousand pounds and I I thought that was pretty high but we hit that so quickly thanks to your guys incredible support and as a result yesterday's upload on the channel was me dressed head to toe in a karen outfit with a wig lipstick, sunglasses, and in a dress. It was a sight to behold. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. However, you guys are still donating and now we've got a new goal of £5,000. And also with every donation, I'm going to shout out whoever donates. So without further ado, let's get into the donations. Isaac says, hey Redditor, been a fan since late 2019. First vid I watched was about a cruise in 2019. He watched me every day and has an immune disease, XLA, and it's great to see you support such a cause. Isaac, thank you very much for the donation ben is a fan from massachusetts and can't wait to see me in that karen costume good luck well ben the video is now out so if you want to go and see it and you haven't already seen it link is in the description and the pin comment it's really not one to miss go and watch it robert murphy once again lets me speak to his manager for being a great person there you go had us in the first half table lord just sending some money from sweden 150 euros wow what a donation my friend that's incredible mr table keep up the great work been watching you on and off for a couple of years now that is so kind 150 euros is an incredible donation and it may well just be the biggest donation we've had so far in fact i think it is Incredible stuff. Links, keep up the good work, Jack. Also loves the videos and been watching for over a year now. Thank you very much for the five. Jenny, awesome that you've reached the first goal. I know you'll reach your new goal and surpass it. Well, I hope so, Jenny. With donations from people like you, we just might. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work, Jack. Keep up the amazing work, too, Stevo. That is a very good shout out to my editor, Stevo, who keeps the channel running. He is the coal. I, d- I don't think that's a comp doesn't sound like a compliment. It was meant to be a compliment Yeah, anyway, johnny boy has been a fan for a long time Even before Slash and vinci and i've helped him through a lot mostly falling asleep with the three-hour movies Least he could do is help reach the goal. Thank you very much johnny And look the way you consume my content is completely up to you A lot of people find my voice quite soothing and they just like to chill and listen to me in the background And I love that I can offer that so good on you, Johnny. Thanks for the 10. Alexandra Ali is an Aussie nurse with ASD and ADHD. And my brother and dad have a disease called NF1. Helping disabled children will always hold a big place in her heart. Now run your little Karen heart out. Absolute legend, Ali. Thank you so much for the 10. And thank you for doing so much good work That is a leap from you And finally Moxie donates Because they're also mentally disabled Too long to list And they want to help kids Like my pride and joy Autistic little bro Wow I'll be donating more in April Since I'm saving up right now Moxie you don't have to But I will say I really appreciate it So will kids And kids will just appreciate all the donations so far it's pretty incredible. We're now over halfway towards the new goal. Like, it's incredible what you lot are doing. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Honestly, I was satisfied with the 2K. But given that we've absolutely smashed that target, now I'm like, let's just let's just go for it. Let's go for five. Anyway, let's get back into the malicious compliance stories. You want a man to help you? No problem. One will clock in soon. This happened 16 years ago. When I was about 20 years old, I was a department manager in a big box hardware store. People said I acted 25, but I didn't even look 18. As a young female, I saw my fair amount of sexual discrimination, but the worst always came from women. This is the story of one such woman. I managed the paint department. I had three associates who worked for me, They loved me as a boss because I bought them a department radio, took the shifts they didn't want. I worked Friday clothes and Saturday mid so my two younger guys could have time to have fun on Friday nights and the older gentleman took early Saturday mornings so they could sleep off their fun. In trade, I gave the older gentleman his ideal schedule. My team was awesome. One day, I was in the department alone and a lady came up and asked me where she could find the 5-gallon oil-based primer. I let her know that my location didn't carry the five gallon size of that primer She told me that we did and said that it was shelved right there while suggesting I was too stupid to remember Her husband gave me an apologetic look I let her know that another location had what she was looking for and that it was in fact in that exact location in that store She let me know how stupid she thought I was for thinking that she could mix up stores Then she began yelling loudly insisting that I get a man out there to help her Because she wanted someone competent and not a stupid little girl Her husband actually tried to step in at that point But I just smiled and let her know that a male paint associate would be clocking in any minute, And that I would be happy to direct him to her as soon as he is on the clock I smiled and waited for joe to clock in Now, Joe was great, and I knew he could handle this or I wouldn't have put him in this situation, but Joe was also new. Yes, he was learning things super quick, but he still relied on the rest of us for help. When I saw Joe walking up, I quickly said that there was a customer who needed help. I let him know that she was upset and asked him to do his best to answer her questions. Joe walked up to the lady. She said, finally, a man. She asked her question, explained where the product should be and waited. Joe calmly let her know that he had never seen us carry a five-gallon size of oil-based primer, but he said that he could check with the paint department manager. She was happy and loudly said she'd be happy to get some real help. Joe then walked up to me and started to ask me about five-gallon oil-based primers. The lady quickly walked up and asked him what he was doing. He turned and said, "'This is my manager.' she runs this department. The husband laughed out loud, the woman stormed off and I bought Joe lunch. Wow, a super interesting story right there. The most interesting part for me is when OP says that it's normally the women in the store, the women customers that are the sexist ones that demand a man's help. Interesting, you wouldn't necessarily have thought that. And yes, I now have said interesting four times. Interesting stuff though. Again though, imagine the look on her face. Imagine her internal monologue. Thank God. Finally, a man to help me. Go and get someone much more senior and let's get this stuff done. Oh wait, it's the woman that I've just pretty much taken the mech out of. Ah feels bad feels bad what's the shame is that you just know that she's not going to learn from this as well she'll go to the next door do the exact same thing be surprised and embarrassed when it happens ultimately again yeah and then just carry on with her life gg Karen. gg shady boss lied about my position to keep me from policy allowed benefit for years i found out and it changed everything a few years ago i worked at a big retail company and had for many years Eventually, I went through enough grad school education to get my license to work at a higher level Much more pay more job satisfaction more responsibilities fancy title, but the job market was rough I stayed on with my company to work in a floater position, where I'd cover a large area and work at all the stores within that area on a rotating but irregular basis. Eventually, I wanted to get a staff position where I have a single store assigned. The area was huge, the furthest store being over a hundred miles from my home, and that is exactly where I was assigned to train for the new role. It was a rough store. Folks in my position were robbed and assaulted at gunpoints. The neighborhood was very unfriendly, the volume at the store was among the highest in the states. staff turnover was as you might expect extreme well after training i wasn't really being scheduled to float to other stores once a month at most i asked to be scheduled a little more diversely since most of the stores in my area were much closer to my home and didn't require four hours of driving a day Bossman told me that i was the only floater experienced enough to handle that store i didn't buy it but what can you do right Well, a colleague told me about the mileage reimbursement policy. Floaters working at a store more than 50 miles from home can file for reimbursements of mileage over that 50 miles each way Even including meals. So I filed a few of these outs and sent them to my boss to sign He didn't quite refuse but he never actually signed and filed them I suspect as soon as I left his office at our district center, he tossed them out Boss man tells me later that they must be lost in the system Eventually the same colleague showed me how to fax those same forms to accounts payable Bypassing the district boss man. So I started doing just that one day boss man calls me in a panic He wants to stop my filing of the forms I asked to be floated close to home, but he still won't budge. He needs me at that miserable store He promises me he'll make me a staff role at that store if I promise to stop faxing those forms Now staff roles are a promotion and usually come with better pay and a few other little conveniences so I agree. Bossman says that there won't be a pay bump right away, but that it will come down the road. That never happened. Two years later, the situation at the store has become too toxic even for me. I asked to step down from the star position to be a floater again and be allowed to float to other stores. Bossman says that I'm already a floater, I never was in a star position but that he can't let me work at other stores because it's better for me and the customers if i stay there for familiarity floaters do not get scheduled to stores exclusively so i'm being singled out because they're still desperate to cover that dump of a store i'm livid so i start looking It took me months, but eventually, I found an opportunity to make my dream career transition. I put in my formal notice, and that is when the fun started. Remember that whole mileage reimbursement policy? Well, I kept meticulous track of all my shifts, and there is no statute of limitations baked into the policy. So, I started filling out those reimbursement forms to retroactively cover every single shift from the past two odd years. I skipped the meal part, since I didn't want to go through all that effort of finding receipts. I had a friendly store manager sign off on them and I started sending them to accounts payable directly again. I didn't fax them all in at once, but for each shift in my final two weeks, I faxed a few dozen in. We still have fax machines in that line of work, believe it or not. I figured, what do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, accounts payable declines the forms. On my last few shifts, I started getting the checks from accounts payable, not added to my paycheck, but sent to me directly. Mileage reimbursements are non-taxable income, so this was all tax-free money coming to me. It must have taken a while for the charges to show up on a balance sheet, because a few weeks after my final paycheck, I got a call from my now former boss man, he wasn't happy. He got some big loss prevention manager involved and together they started saying I was breaking some rule by requesting the payments. They specifically claimed I was ineligible because I agreed I wouldn't be eligible in a staff position. They then threatened legal action against me if I didn't remit the full amounts back that same week. But I had the email chain from when Bossman said I was never staff and always a floater. I politely referenced that email chain before letting them know firmly that because I was lied to, our prior agreement didn't apply and I was fully eligible all along. Corporate policy, as confirmed by HR, agreed with me. So I let them know I wasn't returning a single penny. In the end, the reimbursements amounted to well over $21,000, and I transitioned into my dream job. I could say that I would trade that money back for the time I lost commuting to that miserable store, remember, four hours every shift, but all that pressure motivated me to make the best career move of my life. The great satisfaction of not only professionally surpassing my old boss, but also getting to tell him that his lies cost him way more on the way out is almost priceless. I also shared my story and method with many colleagues who were also being told wrongly by the boss man that they didn't qualify for this policy. Ah, OP, that is actually class because not only have you made yourself $21,000 tax-free for free, as in you didn't have to work to get that money, you were just given it, think of the amount of money that you might have also saved or earned other colleagues, it could be anything. It could be hundreds of thousands. In fact, it probably is. If there are other people in this company that weren't getting the benefit that they're, you know, legally allowed to get, and they're then getting it, you know, retrospectively, Wow, this boss is in a lot of trouble. That's for sure. I mean, minimum six figures. I'd hazard a guess at probably, you know, a high six figures. Who knows? It's a lot, and it's all because of you. I love it. Again, I feel like I always say it with stories like this, but I don't understand what the logic is from this boss. Are they just thinking that nobody will ever realize this? Nobody's ever gonna know. Just treating employees badly in general. I mean, forget about the the money that you're allowed. Like saying that you're gonna get a pay rise and a promotion, but then saying, oh no, we didn't actually give you that. How is that ever gonna benefit you? You're just going to make your employees unhappy. They're going to move because they don't like the work like OP has done. So you're just losing good employees. How is that a good business model? Hey, let me know down in the comments if you think that's a good idea. Personally, I think it's pretty shambolic.
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: i was forced to eat at fancy restaurants for a month many years ago i got put on a work assignment for months that required me to travel to new york city and stay every monday to friday I was assisting a company manager with a project, and my hotel was near his regular office in the theater district. If you're not familiar, the theater district is heavily built for tourists, Restaurants are generally kind of fancy and expensive. There weren't really any quick and cheap options for dining in that area The company had a generous meal policy of up to 30 to 40 dollars per meal for travel expenses Now I did use that for a bit But the food got to feeling too indulgent and kind of ridiculous given it was an extended assignment Also, I was working really long hours and I didn't want to go and sit in restaurants I just wanted to watch tv and sleep in my room So after the first week or so I instead went to a grocery store on Monday nights. I bought some basics for cereal, sandwiches, and snacks, and some frozen meals I could microwave for lunch in the office. It cost about 60 bucks. I then took a few cans of soda from my hotel fridge to make room for my weekly food purchase. And returned them before checking out at the end of the week. And that was it for food costs, with an occasional meal out here or there. I did the same the next four weeks, submitted my expense report at the end of the month, and you all know where this is going. A lady from accounting called and refused to reimburse my expenses because $60 is more than $40, the max allowance for a meal purchase. I explained that had covered five days of food, but was told it didn't matter. So I then spent the next month trying all the food in the neighborhood. There really were not any cheap options. I went out to eat a few mornings, lunch whenever I found the time, and dinner absolutely every day. Now look, I could have bought a few installments of groceries daily, but the once per week shopping convenience was part of why I'd wanted them. It had also seemed wasteful for me to go out for an expensive meal every night for long-term travel, but now I've been told that was preferred by accounting to my grocery bills. The next morning, I got a call from my NYC manager asking how I'd run through more every week of the month than the entire month before combined. I explained the grocery situation and he thanked me and hung up. About 10 minutes later, that same lady from accounting called to tell me they'd pay my still not reimbursed grocery bill and any going forward, as long as the daily amount average for the week was under the aggregate meal allowance. I happily returned to a more reasonable diet. Yeah, very, very strange. I just don't understand the logic here once again. I never do in these stories, really, do I? But come on, if a guy's willing to go to the grocery Grocery store And buy normal price groceries that will last for a week for $60 and you're saying no instead 40 times 5 What is that mathematicians pay $200 on meals instead? It's just like why oh wait, what's that you're spending more money because you're going out to fancy restaurants? I could never have predicted that stop doing that now. So strange it really is I don't get it i agree with op though yes he did maliciously comply and i love it but surely you get to the point like op did where you're like well i don't really want to go out for every single meal and eat really fancy food i'd rather just lie in bed or just you know have a microbe meal at home or something really simple it's weird i just don't understand it let's move on my boss demanded i serve all customers and fill all shelves no matter how far past closing hours it was so my first job i ever worked at for a few years was a grocery retail store with several different departments, including a deli for lunch, meat, and cheese, which is where I worked. One night I was working a shift of 1 to 9 pm. 9 pm is when the deli and other special departments closed and were expected to be done and clocked out, but the rest of the store remained open 24 7 for general groceries. It was me and one other guy. We had an especially busy night and we were a little behind on our cleaning as a result. But we had our meat slicing machines already coated with sanitizer after working for 15 minutes to get all the little meat chunks and shavings out of every corner As we were pretty serious about making sure those things were clean as can be it's about 8 55 at this point we're almost late to leave, and the store we worked for did not like overtime. If you were getting any amount of overtime, you'd get chewed out the next day for it, even for a little amount. A woman walks up to the counter and starts looking through the product, as we had a glass case filled with a bunch of types of our lunch meats, pre-sliced, and ready to go for bagging up. She looks at one and says, I want this turkey right here, but I want it freshly sliced. I, of course, look to my coworker and we both can see the two slices we have are still covered in the sanitizer we use and are drying. Now, as per the food safety protocol written on the bottle, that says to allow 20 to 30 minutes minimum for the sanitizer to dry after application so i tell her well mom we really can't do that right now our slices are both being clean at the moment as the department is closing in five minutes but i'd be glad to get you something here from our cold case so you're not gonna slice it fresh for me that's what you're saying i replied that's correct. I apologize without another word She walks away and myself and my co-worker go back to what we were doing And we finish cleaning and go home after about five more minutes narrowly clocking out on time Fast forward two days later me and the same co-worker come in and start getting to work like a normal day At about 3 p.m. two hours into the shift I personally get called into the head honcho's office the store director as they're titled I think nothing of it and head on upstairs and go inside the office and sit down the store director hands me a piece of paper and says tell me what caused this i look at the paper and it's a printed out screenshot of a google review for our store one out of five stars and a full paragraph from that lady of two nights before complaining that she didn't get her freshly sliced meat from the rude employee and then describing me specifically i explained exactly what happened two nights prior as clearly as i'm typing it out right now the director is getting heated and begins to cut me off while i'm speaking asking why would slices be covered in sanitizer at 8:55? you're scheduled to work until 9 i said yes i am but seeing as i'm constantly being reminded not to get any overtime i usually start cleaning them at around 8:30. the director gets even more upset and raises her voice I don't care. That's not how it works If you have a customer you serve them and you better start making sure those shelves are filled before you leave Or you won't be working here anymore now get out. I'm pretty salty at this point I go back down to the department and my co-worker asked what happened and I told him he says so they want everything done before we leave I said yep And without another word, he knew what we needed to do. 9 p.m. hits as usual, and our shelves are at the usual standard of half full. But seeing as we've been given a new standard, we decided to stay and make sure we did what I was instructed to do. We spent the next several hours past closing time, slicing and slicing and slicing until every single tray of meats and cheese was full. We had plastic totes in the big fridge full of cheese that we sliced that were wrapped up in half pan blocks for ease of sale. So we decided to fill that tub over the brim with every single type of cheese we had available We cut up around 70 pounds of cheese and wrapped it up in the fridge We also had a subway style sandwich counter where we made sandwiches to order and also pre-made on the shelves for sale We made double the usual amount of sandwiches and filled the shelves as per requested Not a single shelf had a single empty spot on it by the time we were done after every single possible item and shelf was as full as it could be we finally started to clean and close it was around 3 a.m when we finally left the department opens at 5 a.m we were exhausted but our spiteful overtime venture made us feel pretty good we got about six hours overtime in they hated anyone getting even five to ten minutes of overtime We both came in the next day at 1pm as usual, expecting complete retaliation. But nope. Instead, our department manager of the deli kind of saunters over to us and says, uh, Hey, you should be good to start cleaning up at 8.30 like usual. I think the director got the point you made. Normally, overtime would be asked to be taken care of by clocking out for lunches or coming in later than usual. they let us keep all six hours of that overtime they never said anything to us about overtime again after that i accepted a job that paid almost double about six months after this incident and never ever went back to retail hell i tell you what if you're willing to work until 3 a.m when your shift normally ends at 9 just for a little bit of vengeance and to do exactly what your boss has told you Wow, you must really want to show them that they're wrong. And hey, you did. So I rate it very highly. This is the thing with Google reviews and you know the saying, the customer is always right. Well, no, that's just not true. Yes, obviously customer service is very important when you're working in this sort of industry, but there has to be a limit, right? You can't just make things for customers when the shop's about to close or when your account's about to close. You're gonna get bad reviews and you have to just take that. I think the play is just the manager to comment on the review and say, you came five minutes before we were closing. We therefore cannot serve you We're not going to make new stuff just for you And then potential customers when they see those bad reviews Can at least look at what the manager has replied And they'll get some sort of context But you can't then just say to your workers No, stay open forever Prepare all of tomorrow's food right now Work till 3am but also don't do overtime It's just weird once again Let's carry on with the stories Chick tries to gatekeep my nationality time to ascend to a form further beyond i am a 20 something british american male living in a very southern and undereducated part of the us i've been here for a while now and generally when i tell people where i'm from i get a little pushback because i don't really have as thick of an accent anymore onto the story i work in a small office we have a rolling line of temps that come and go Most of them are barely high school graduates or people with very little in the way of worldly experience. This is important for later. So one day they bring the usual parade of new hires around and I do my introduction. Hi, I am OP. I am one of the recruiters here at the company. I'm married with two dogs and I'm originally from the UK. Normally this is just a throwaway line that I use as an icebreaker and it normally rolls right off until this wonderful young woman pipes up. Um, you don't sound british. She of course left out the tea very purposefully. Sorry, love forgot the coat and tails at home I say as I drink my twinings if you're british you love that sentence the group kind of laughed it off And I figured it was a pretty open and shut deal Nope a couple of days later word gets around that this chick has been telling a bunch of people that i'm not british And that i'm lying for clout she said that i don't even sound british and that she is dating a british guy and knows how they act so rather than be a mature adult i do the very british thing of malicious compliance i need an intern to bring me some tea would you mind climbing the apple and pears and pouring me a cup of rosie lee i started wearing three-piece suits a pocket watch and a monocle i found at a thrift shop I went super saiyan 3 british obviously about three hours into the first day my boss wants to know what's up I tell her and she finds it so hilarious that she assigns that intern to me for the rest of the day I kept using odd british rhyming phrases and sayings and she'd have to keep asking me to speak normal I would reply but I thought you know how us British people act. She quickly realized her error and we've been cordial ever since. Nowadays, I keep my old red passport in my desk drawer just in case someone pulls that stunt again. Hey, I tell you what, there's not much worse that you can say to a British person than you don't seem British or you're not British because that hurts right in the heart. Don't say it, man. Come on. I love where this guy went with it, though. I mean, like, the things that he was doing, no British person does. I mean, I've never met anyone that wears a monocle or speaks the way he was speaking. It's just good how he really embraced it and was like, you know what? If you say I'm not British, I'm going to show you just how British I am. Even jumping back 100 years to when people spoke like this. Lovely stuff. I enjoyed it It is a little bit weird to be fair that out of nowhere this woman was like, oh you don't sound British. Are you lying? Like why would anyone lie about being English? It's a weird thing to lie about that's for sure Imagine if I was like suddenly yeah by the way I'm Italian. What am I gaining from saying that? Nothing it's strange, but hey opie. Well done. I'm glad your boss enjoyed it by the way That's funny and everyone can laugh at it now And the fact that you now get on well with this woman is a good thing. Uh, yeah, just a bit of a joke I love it. Very good stuff. Don't want to sit inside even though a storm is coming Okay, this happened to me a few years ago and I just remembered it recently I was working at a restaurant waiting tables in a very affluent area on the jersey shore We had our fair share of entitled people who were under the impression that if you throw enough money around you can do whatever you want and treat people however you want and when your income depends on their tips you kind of just have to deal with it the restaurant had an outdoor dining and bar area that overlooked the ocean with an amazing view during the summer this was pretty much where everyone wanted to sit rather than our indoor dining area and for anyone who works someplace with outdoor dining you know the one monkey wrench that can ruin a very profitable dinner shift the weather. No matter how accurate the forecast says it's going to be, you can never know for sure. For the most part, we never had an issue because if it started to abruptly rain, there would usually be more than enough room inside for all the people who were sitting outside to move in. It's usually a cluster frick to keep track of which table moved where, but we always handled it without any issue. Until this one day. We had a large party booked one day in our indoor area that took up more than half our tables. 50th birthday i believe so our indoor capacity was limited and even on top of the party there were customers who were wary about the weather so decided to sit inside also more and more people came and therefore more and more people started sitting outside My manager did a quick assessment and realized that if it started raining We would barely have enough room inside to accommodate everyone sitting outside He told us we had to stop seating our outdoor area and to start recommending to our outdoor tables to move inside Because of the impending weather to be on the safe side Everyone's weather app was saying there was a downpour coming up the coast. Everybody was okay with this Except I had a table of nine people who seemed fairly middle-aged and very wealthy Margaritas with top top shelf tequila gaudy looking jewelry, etc, etc Each end of the table seemed to be in their own conversation Not paying attention to the other upon hearing about the incoming rain. I go to the woman whom I thought was in charge She had the fakest tan of them all and I tell her let's call her karen mom i'm really sorry but because of the weather coming in and our limited seating inside i'm going to have to move you folks inside so you don't get caught in the rain this karen is so entrenched in her conversation she doesn't even register that i a lowly waiter was talking to her so i try again mom i'm sorry for interrupting but she cuts me off exasperated what what are you saying i begin again mom i'm sorry Because of the weather coming and our inside filling up, we need to move you guys inside. We've got a table ready for you. I can move all your drinks and everything for you. She snaps back with, the only reason we came here was to sit outside. We'll deal with the weather. I realize she just isn't grasping what I'm saying. So I try once more. Mom, just in case. And then she goes from zero to a hundred and yells, we'll freaking deal with it. She yelled so loudly that the people on the other half of her table heard. They didn't hear our prior exchange, but only heard her outburst and went back to their conversation. I assume this must be normal behaviour for her. Alright then, she wants to deal with it on her own? You got it. So, I began to take their order filet mignons, a few lobster tails, expensive stuff. I put the order in, and I looked back, and all the other tables had moved inside, because they were all rational human beings, and my table of nine entitled jerks were the only ones out there. I heard the leathery looking karen say to the rest of the table Wow, we have the entire patio to ourselves. What luxury after a while I looked inside and saw that the table i had held for them was taken by another party that had just walked in The last available table and just as the last bar hit the seats, I felt the best feeling I possibly could have felt at that moment a glorious raindrop tapped on the top of my head Oh sweet glory Within seconds, it went from beautiful blue skies to torrential downpour. Everyone at the table grabbed their drinks, a little watered down at this point, and ran inside. After they shook themselves dry, they looked around and realized there was nowhere for them to sit. Most of them looked dumbfounded, like a lost child in a supermarket. Karen makes a beeline to me and screams, We need a table! I reply, I'm sorry mom, we're fully seated and on a wait for our indoor seating. Maybe one table on the waiting list, but a list is a list. Well, what are we supposed to do now? She hawked back at me, which led to me so eloquently saying, Mom, as you said you would, you freaking deal with it. I air quoted the freaking deal with it to really emphasize that that was her response. And as I said that, everyone else at the table realized that was our interaction earlier and karen had dug their graves i felt bad for most of them because if they'd all known the circumstances they probably would have convinced karen to move in but after she raised her voice and cursed at me all bets were off and as serendipity would have it at that moment their food came out and we handed it to them there they were nine people in damp clothes holding a cosmo in one hand and filet mignon in another with nowhere to sit and eat. The rest of her party convinced her just to get some boxes for their food and pay their check and leave. As I hand Karen a check, she smugly says, well, this will be reflected in your tip. To which I replied, mom, we implement a 20% tip on parties of eight or more. It's our policy and it's clearly stated in our menu. She paid and then left with their boxed up food, leaving behind their half full drinks best 60 bucks i ever made yeah you know what this karen deserved everything that happened to her it's just brilliant as well like the icing on the cake saying that she's not going to charge a tip without realizing that a tip is forced and included it's so good op well done right you said come inside you tried your best they didn't what more can you do it's up to them at that point they refused and you know they had to deal with the consequences brilliant really really good what makes this story so good as well is that i can imagine the bill was really expensive like you know filet mignon really nice top end cocktails and they're having to take all that home in to-go bags and boxes like oh my god what a difference it has been sitting outside at a lovely restaurant enjoying a very expensive good meal and then having to take it all home like mcdonald's or something like that brilliant well deserved now moving on to our second story of malicious compliance sorry i deleted all the files you told me to delete my job was to design and write software prototypes for individual high value customers if they liked it enough then a real software engineering team would build the real products occasionally i would run the prototype for a few months while the customer evaluated if they wanted to buy the real projects Now, these prototypes are not a lot of code, but they do run with a lot of data. Even compressed, it can be a terabyte or more. Having done this work for years, I've accumulated a small disk farm of past projects, which can be very useful when a customer asks for something just like we did last year, but with a small change or two. The company resisted buying hard drives for this. But it saves me so much time i ended up buying one or two a year myself until i accumulated about 10 of them figure over a thousand dollars worth of external drives then unexpectedly management changes new management thinks they can replace old software guy with a cheaper new software grad and i'm laid off with two weeks to train my replacements yes it is blatant age discrimination but impossible to fight so i just went for a graceful transition to my next job except i have one thousand dollars of personal disk drives with old customer data on them the company insists that no ex-employees may take any company data off premises and all files must be deleted i don't want to just leave the drives at the company but they insist i must delete all data before taking them home so i offer one they can buy them from me two i will eventually use them for something else but i can leave the data on them in case someone needs it. not good enough the new manager insists i must delete all data and all backups before i remove the drives okay that's what i do six months later i get a series of desperate phone calls new software grad has been unable to build any new prototypes Old customers are calling to get old prototypes updated and the new software grad has no idea how to do that The executive vp is calling to ask what it would take to bring me back to do my old job Sorry, i've got a new job now and even if I didn't I can't just modify the old prototype Because you insisted I delete all old copies of it If I did want to modify it i'd first have to recreate it from scratch The code still exists in their source control, but the data is the heart of the prototypes and that old series of six months apart data we collected is gone for good, no matter what. Sorry, you screwed yourselves exactly like I told you would. I hope whatever you saved by hiring a new grad to replace an actual experienced programmer was worth it. Yeah, I'll just never understand the need to replace somebody who's really good at their job with someone younger just for the sake of it or just to save a little bit of money. It's so risky, right? I mean, look, even if this dude hadn't kept all the files, say they've been kept instead on the company software or on, you know, company hard drives and the new guy had access to them. It's still clear he didn't know what he was doing and they would have had to go back for OP anyway. What if he just said no? They would have been screwed. Obviously, that's compounded by the fact that OP was the one who had the files in the first place and since has deleted them but forget that it doesn't actually really matter that much they would have been screwed anyway and they would have needed op anyway it's just weird to me getting rid of someone who's very good at their job for somebody that isn't going to be as good or like there's a slim chance they will be as good just because they're younger sure eventually when op retires get a new person in but until that point why makes no sense and i'm a young person i should i should be standing up for this guy still makes no sense to me and now moving on to our final malicious compliance story of this episode When someone asks you to write your name so they can report you to corporates, do this. I used to work for a car rental company. I won't say which, but the name accurately describes the employee's daily experience working for them. Okay, guys, if you can work this out, what the company name is, write it in the comments below. I'm going to reveal it at the end of the story, but it's quite clever. During my time, the company continuously changed policies regarding debit cards for rentals because of the large amounts of fraudulent transactions associated with them. This caused much drama with customers, in particular with return customers, who hadn't been in since the policy change. Around the end of each school year, many people rent minivans or SUVs to pick up their kid and a bunch of their stuff from college. I had one such customer who didn't qualify for the rental vehicle she reserved. Per my training, I was not allowed to rent anything larger to her than a sedan because she didn't have a credit card. When I informed her that I could only give her a Hyundai Elantra, she became enraged. She stated that the previous year she was able to rent a minivan under a debit card And I informed her that policy had changed since then She refused to acknowledge that I was doing my job properly I repeated company policy multiple times and did my best to inform her that I was doing the best I could with the current situation She refused any attempt I made to placate her my manager eventually stepped in And he broke down and did the rental for an suv against company policy the entitled woman smirked at me and pushed a stack of post-it notes that was on the counter in front of me she said you should not be in customer service and i'm going to report you to corporate i want you to write your name on this paper without missing a beat i took the pad and wrote the words your and name on the top sheet ripped it off And handed it to her apparently she didn't notice until she was in the parking lot with my manager and her husband to inspect the vehicle When my manager came back into the office He said her husband who stood silently behind his raging wife throughout the whole interaction Wants me to write you up because you didn't give them your real name Then he started laughing and said But i'm not gonna do anything because you followed the company policy and you did exactly what that dog ask you to do she gave us a horrible survey and it tanked our bonus for that quarter but it was totally worth it to put that rude woman in her place all right so first of all i'm pretty sure that the name of this rental car company is hertz h-e-r-t-z because i guess it hurts their employees well done if you got it nice little pun from op in terms of the actual story pretty petty from you but i kind of love it she did ask you for your name and you wrote your name you can't argue with that you just can't I'm not entirely sure if your manager should have let her get away with this But then again, it does sound like a relatively new policy and she obviously didn't know Her reaction was way too strong though Like come on There's no need to start abusing you and saying you shouldn't be in customer service I'm gonna report you etc etc Yeah, overall some pretty good malicious compliance And i'm glad that your manager did understand where you're coming from at the end and didn't punish you Well, he did say no matter what it was I worked as a dispatcher for a small town police department out west There was always a bit of a struggle with our patrol sergeants who looked down his nose at dispatch Always trying to micromanage our department and bully our dispatch sergeants One day he discovered that dispatchers were handling small routine matters Such as answering questions from the public and handling other minor issues that didn't require a police response He was outraged he stomped around the station for a bit then issued a memo It began with a condescending essay about how dispatchers were not qualified to answer questions Or handle minor issues as only fully trained police officers were capable of such weighty matters he then issued a directive that an officer would be sent on any call received from the public no matter what it was our dispatch sergeant just smiled and told us to follow the directive that she was sure it wouldn't last long as luck would have it i was on duty that very night and i guess i was living right as the call came in then another and another a rather bright meteor had gone harmlessly over the town at a fairly low altitude pretty spectacular really but obvious as to what it was my phone rang off the hook most just wanting to ask if anyone thought it had fallen to earth near the town not really an issue for the town police but well he did say no matter what it was the radio traffic went along these lines unit 28 standby for traffic 28 28 this will be an attempt to locate advise when ready to copy 28 go Be advised, this will be a greenish glowing object last seen at an estimated altitude of 3,500 feet traveling in a northwestly direction at approximately one and a half thousand miles per hour if located stop and identify occupants 10 9 at this point the patrol sergeant who's been listening in shouts into his mic from his radio at home did you
1: get a call on
0: this affirmative i reply this station has received multiple calls and per your directive an officer has been dispatched cue the sound of a radio being slammed into a desk The next morning the issue was compounded a bit as the responding officer also followed his directive and filed an official report noting that the object had fled our jurisdiction before contact could be made and then recommended the matter be referred to the FBI for further investigation as he had reason to believe the object had crossed state lines. Our captain and chief were laughing to tears and our detective volunteered to go and assist the FBI investigation theorizing it had gone to Vegas. A new memo was issued by the captain stating that dispatchers were to have full discretion in the handling of calls and minor matters for the public i mean what a way to start an episode you did exactly as he said and that is the entire point of this subreddit so good the object has fled our jurisdiction i need to go to las vegas and help the fbi sensational can you just imagine this bloke at home listening in thinking oh my god what have i done knowing in the back of his head that he is the one that made this all happen in the first place wow what a mug you've made him look fair play try and stick to the planning and the correct methods sure i will i am a 30 year old man and I work as a cleaner in a school for special needs children. I'm good at what I do and I take pride in coming in every day to make sure that both the children and the teachers that work there have a clean and safe environment to work in. Some backstory. Before I started working at this location in April 2022, they've had a lot of bad luck with hiring cleaners as the branch we're in technically falls under specialized cleaning and not general cleaning. In the first four months of 2022, they've had 15 cleaners that all disappointed, stopped showing up or were fired for another reason. This has caused the general custodian of this special needs school my direct supervisor to be skeptical of any new cleaner that comes in which is very fair now i like to give 110 percent at work whether that's smart or not i'm not sure but i like to leave my work knowing that i gave it my all that is why when i saw the daily and weekly task list and had done an online course on how to effectively clean i knew that in practice that would leave a very messy workplace Since not everything would be cleaned correctly imagine a desk of a child that has a single eraser on it According to my online course from the company that disqualifies that entire desk for cleaning I won't be allowed to clean it furthermore if chairs are not at the desk I'm not allowed to sweep or mop under it because it's not the cleaner's job as such I've been making some really positive changes to my work schedule daily weekly task list and the way that I do things To not only meet the minimal requirements that my company asks for but also to go above and beyond be flexible with the teachers engage with the students and leave a beautiful workspace. This went great for a while Now the custodian has for some reason been getting way more critical of my work The smallest speck of dust mist or a small drop of coffee spilt somewhere That happened after I was done with the work and he's blowing up my phone with text that I need to do things differently Or he'll tell me first thing when I come in that I need to take my work more seriously This morning He told me try and stick to the planning and the correct methods So i told him that i would now i started to follow the paper list with daily tasks and my methods completely to a t every half assed method that i knew would leave the classrooms and the bathrooms in a horrible state trash cans need emptying nope not on my list one piece of paper on a filthy desk no longer my problem spills in the hallways looks like mopping the floor isn't on today's task list sorry The entire place looked horrible i had to hold myself back to not do more than the list because i hate leaving work unfinished but i was finally done i approached the teachers of the classroom that i had to clean today beforehand explained the situation and promised them to give their classrooms a proper cleaning the next day because they and the students shouldn't be the victims of my malicious compliance but they were in on it they even agreed to give their signature on my task list to sign off that they think i did all of the work correctly naturally the custodian didn't like my work today and we had a good heart to heart for a moment i told him that i really appreciate that he wants to safeguard the quality of my work it's what they pay me for after all but i hope that i've shown him and some teachers that i do go above and beyond daily and that today's work that looked like a mess was my company standard i also let him know that the constant badgering was incredibly unmotivating it was really putting a dampener on my spirits I told him that i'd be doing my work normally again tomorrow And he said he appreciated all the work I usually do and that he tried to be more flexible as well and put more trust in me all's well that ends well I suppose I just want to make sure that these special needs children have a clean school to learn laugh and play in after all And yeah, you know what it is good that it ended well because ultimately you clearly are very good at your job And you have the best intentions and you're doing good stuff I don't really get why your boss your custodian would get so like anal about this sort of stuff You're doing an amazing job already Why does it matter if one tiny thing is wrong? It's like they have to realize that you are so good at what you're doing, but yeah, there are always gonna be tiny, tiny errors from anyone that does any job ever. It's one of those ones where they didn't realize how good you were until you weren't doing as good a job as you normally do. But as you say, the main thing is that the kids are okay and the teachers have a good environment to teach in. And that's exactly what you created, so good stuff. Stop wasting time and follow the job order. Yesterday, I got an email from a customer who wanted an in-depth analysis of dish soap sales for the past three years. Easy peasy. It's all automated, but time-consuming to extract that much data. As I was entering the details into the software according to the job order, I see customer-specified product code A190. I check the database, and uh uh-oh, that's the code for scented candles. I think they meant A160, dish soap. Due to past shenanigans, we're supposed to follow job orders to the letter, and if there is a conflict, the product code trumps over whatever else the customer wrote. This is spelled out very clearly in our service agreements however if i suspect a mistake i will give the customer a call so they can amend the job order and avoid wasting time and money they're usually grateful for the heads up so i call the customer and i barely manage to say that i'm from the company then this lady starts berating me about how long the job is taking first off i got the time stamped email less than 15 minutes ago and this kind of report usually has a turnaround of 24 to 48 hours secondly i'm trying to help by pointing out the wrong product code but this lady just will not let me talk. She keeps cutting me off and talking over me. When I finally managed to get two words in and say I wanted to confirm the product code, she tells me to stop wasting her time and just do what the job order says. Then she hangs up on me. You can probably guess how it went. I ran the request as written for product A190, the candles, and I sent it yesterday by EOB. The lady flipped when she saw it. Apparently they needed this report for a meeting that now has to be rescheduled My boss and her boss got involved The end result is that the customer's boss just sent me a request to please run a report for dish soap A160 when convenient and apologizing for the misunderstanding My company will waive the cost of the extra reports I understand the lady was moved to a role that limits the amount of damage she can do Already the fact that she ordered the report the literal day before the meeting wasn't great moral of the story before telling someone to shut up, maybe listen to what they're saying. Yeah, I can't lie, I've definitely been in this spot before where you yourself, as in me, have left something until the last minute and then you expect someone else to help you with it really quickly and you're very impatient, etc., etc. When just because you made a mistake in leaving it so last minute, doesn't mean that it's an emergency on their part. That being said, not listening to what you are saying when it's your job to know what is going on is criminal. Five seconds of shutting your mouth would have saved so much time and ultimately money You're lucky you got that money back because realistically you didn't deserve it i knew my job but the new manager thought he knew better so i did it his way very precisely so i used to work for one of the top delivery companies in the uk there was a lot less competition 15 years ago i was very good at my specific delivery job and i often undertook every office task from single delivery routes to maintaining the office and delivery distribution to all routes then one day in comes the new manager and it was the cliche that you dread you probably all met the type Suit slightly too big and a trainee moustache. He'd just finished uni and, to his credit, got himself a business degree. The problem with this company was every office around the whole country was run differently, and this poor manager was expecting every person to do things by the letter. But most of the work was done on goodwill since we were allowed to finish for the day when we completed our deliveries It was creating a rod for our own backs to be honest, but it was nice to finish earlier on lighter days Finally on his third day after watching me daily and asking me why I was doing things in certain orders I told him my delivery route was complex and required it to be done in a certain order To ensure the time deliveries got there before 1 p.m And the other delivery staff were fed their delivery materials by myself at certain times to ensure optimum delivery speeds and minimum delay He replied, no, it doesn't work like that I simply stared for a bemused few seconds and said I don't understand He wanted it by the letter today as per company guidelines I argued very hard against it and said he will really regret it because we won't complete But he insisted I was wrong because it was all timed and measured So after an exasperated 15-minute heated discussion, I did as I was told to the letter the five staff I fed deliveries to weren't happy, but they understood. It was like a domino effect of carnage. At 12.30pm, we all rang in the office to report the failed timed deliveries, which he promptly freaked out about because they were strictly monitored. The subsequent enforced break times and shuffling required also left 15-20% to of each walk unfinished, which he also now has to complete himself on top of the timed ones. He had to fill out reports for all failed 1pm deliveries, all walk failures and then had to call in managers from other offices to finish it all they all finished around four hours late he was not popular the next day he came to me and asked me to show him the mechanics of the delivery route in detail because i didn't expect that to happen if i'm honest it was close enough to an apology for me we actually became good friends over time but he never questioned me when i said nope ever again This story reminds me of the second story we looked at in today's episode in many ways. Again, though, it's great that he learned his lesson, but I don't know. If something's going well in the first place, do you really need to change it up? That being said, he's a young guy looking to make his mark on the company. I kind of get it. I can kind of understand it from his perspective and he did do well to rectify it within one day. So you know what? Not the worst, not the best. Like imagine if he doubled down and said, no, I'm the manager. I know how to run this. And efficiency got even worse. That would be the sign of someone that doesn't learn from their mistakes. Whereas this guy made a mistake accepted it pretty quickly yeah his apology wasn't great but at least he acknowledged that he'd done something wrong you want me to coerce an inspector after someone else did the work this happened years ago i just started working as an independent electrician and one day i received a call from a new customer he was one of those people that flips homes in lower income neighborhoods i'll call him todd but honestly i've forgotten what his name is todd asked me to meet him at a vacant house he recently bought to give him an estimate for a full rewiring job He was 30 minutes late, so I was already unimpressed with him Upon entering the house, which was right after a rainstorm had passed through We found an inch of water covering the hardwood floors There was water pouring out of small holes in the There was water pouring out of small holes in the columns on the front porch Everything was soaked Instead of showing me around, Todd called his business partner and brother And spent the next 20 minutes cussing him for not fixing the roof I'm standing around and listening to his man-baby rage on full display The whole time I'm thinking there's no way I'm gonna work for this guy His fuse was way too short and his anger was out of hand I gave him a price which admittedly was the I don't want to do this job price And I didn't hear back from him until months later todd called me later that year He explained that he'd found an electrician from three states away and had paid the electrician with ceramic tiles instead of cash The problem now well he needed an inspection from the city electrical inspector I agreed to meet the inspector for him which I would bill him for I went back to the house about 20 minutes before the inspector showed up and saw numerous issues When the inspector arrived we walked through together every issue I saw the inspector also saw He pointed them out and every time I agreed with him that the work was not up to code This inspector kept looking at me with a puzzled expression after we did a complete walkthrough I finally explained to the inspector that I didn't do any of the work and I was hired to get him to pass the inspection He asked me if I thought he should and I told him absolutely not so I got paid for my time I got paid to repair all the violations And I formed a strong relationship with that inspector who was always lenient with me on all of my future jobs All right, just trying to get my head around this one So the same person that wanted you to do a job for him in the first place But then was clearly horrible to work with and you pretty much said no Then re-employed you for another job in which the whole point was that you were going to help him out But there was no reason for you to do so I don't understand but yeah, I guess that shows a lack of logic from some people in the subreddit I guess it also proves that even if sometimes Sometimes things do seem a little bit expensive they might be expensive for a reason if you get someone unqualified to do something for some weird trade deal then yeah you're gonna have problems later on down the line because the work's not gonna be good enough whereas this guy you pay the premium at first but then ultimately you get good work that's gonna last for years ultimately it's just strange i don't know why this guy having treated you so badly thought yeah he's gonna help me out next time and get me a pass obviously it wasn't gonna happen you mug no one ever makes it hot enough okay then you ask for it I used to be a chef in a Mexican restaurant in a small town in Australia nearly 40 years ago We were modestly popular and I loved working there one night a young man came in to dine with a young lady It was very obviously a first date They ordered nachos to share with a side of jalapenos for their entree and he ordered a steak Veracruz, Hot for his mane and the young lady ordered a chicken burrito mild for hers I as I usually did throughout the nights would walk around the tables and ask if people were enjoying the food After the nachos, I checked on them and the young man informed me that the chili that accompanied the nachos was not hot at all and that he loved hot food. I was informed that he had traveled extensively and had eaten some of the hottest food in the world and that no one had ever made a dish too hot for him. He reiterated that he wanted his steak main extra hot. To be honest, I found him to be pompous and rather obnoxious in the way he was speaking down to me, and found myself taking a disliking to him. I will add at this point that the young lady was looking a little uncomfortable, and I got the impression her date was not going as she had expected. I headed to the kitchen. I made her a lovely chicken burrito while putting together his steak. He wanted it hot, he was going to get it. Our steak, Veracruz, was usually a steak cooked and topped with our house tomato sauce base with some capsicums, bell peppers for you Americans and onions with a touch of chili. On this occasion, I set to work. Keep in mind, this was Australia back in the 80s, and we did not get a lot of different chilies back then, and a jalapeno was considered hot by most Aussie palates. Hey, we were an uneducated bunch. I had a few bird's eye chilies in the kitchen that were mainly there for the staff and the resident Mexican guitarist meals, so I started with those. I finally diced about 10 of those with their seeds. I then started sweating off my onions and capsicums. I then threw in the chilies and then I added about a tablespoon of chili powder and about a tablespoon of cayenne. I soon felt the fumes hit my nose and the back of my throat and my eyes started watering. I ran to the door of the kitchen to get a breath of breathable air as the air in my tiny kitchen was rapidly becoming unbreathable. I ran back to my pan and put a ladle of the house tomato sauce in. I then let that simmer for a few minutes. I then added some chopped up jalapenos from a jar in my fridge And thought why not and in went a little bit more chili powder I then put the flash fried steak in to finish it off in the sauce I served it all up on a plate with some rice Served out the chicken burrito and hit the bell for the waitress to serve it to the table The waitress came back and told me that as she placed it in front of him. He said This had better be hot she assured him the chef had done as he requested I went to the door of the kitchen joined by my waitress to watch the show unfold, and unfold it did I watched with glee as he sliced the steak took a piece on his fork and with a smug look on his face He put it in his mouth. He took a chew and then realized his mistake I saw it that moment when his face changed, but he was trying so hard not to show it He couldn't. He was on a date and he'd bragged so hard and now he had to go through with it. He ate the steak. I could see every ounce of pain on his face. He struggled. He struggled hard. His date watched him with a slight smile on her lips and I got the impression that she was thoroughly enjoying his pain. He went through several jugs of water. He sweated. He barely spoke. He looked uncomfortable. At the end of the meal, I came out of the kitchen and asked him if he'd enjoyed. His words... Could have been hotter. He never came back. His date... She became a regular and told us he was an insufferable fool and she never saw him again I have no regrets other than I wish carolina reapers had been around then. You know what? I think that everybody in their life has met someone like this guy Someone that just wants to show off act as if they're just way more cool than they really are when in reality They're just making themselves look stupid as you've seen by this girl's reaction. She wasn't having any of it No one likes arrogance and cockiness. There's no need for that The great thing about stories in this subreddit is that a lot of the time people like open. Are doing literally as they're asked, you know, the guy said make it as hot as you possibly can He did that and he couldn't deal with it That is just brilliant because you're doing what he said and he can't handle it So get out now for our next malicious compliance story. Why did they get in for free? Let me fix that I used to work as a bouncer slash doorman at a bar that charged a two dollar cover on weekend nights Everyone paid to get in with only one exception party buses we had an agreement with the different party bus operators that if they brought their groups to our bar They would get in for free lively crowds are good for business So one night i'm working and a guy comes in with his girlfriend and I tell him it's two bucks a head He crumbles about it and I give him the same line. I tell anyone who complains a two dollar cover is the cheapest thing you will buy here tonight if you can't afford it you might want to go somewhere else he doesn't want to look cheap in front of his lady so of course he pays a couple of minutes later he's back saying he just talked to some people who didn't have to pay and wants to know why he got singled out i tell him about the party bus rule and say those people must have come in on a bus He motions towards some people sitting with his girlfriend and tells me You didn't charge my friends and they didn't come on a bus I recognize the people and when they came in I asked them if they were from the bus and they had said yes So they lied to me. It happens and normally I wouldn't worry about it. I tell him. Well, it sounds like I made a mistake I guess it's their lucky night that's my hint to him that he should let it go, but that's not good enough for him. He gets louder and keeps demanding I refund his $4 to keep things fair. I've had it with him. I tell him, you're right, it's not fair. Let me fix it for you. He smirks because he thinks he's getting a refund, but he doesn't realize that all I'm giving is some sweet malicious compliance. His smirk disappeared when I stepped away from the cash drawer and walked over to where his friends were sitting. In my most polite voice, I said, Hey, sorry to bother you guys, but there's a $2 cover tonight, and your friend here told me you didn't pay. I must have misheard you when I asked if you were here with the party bus, but I need to collect the cover from you now. The looks of betrayal they gave him were priceless. I collected their covers, smiled, and loudly thanked him for being so honest. Then I walked back to my post and watched them proceed to rip him a new one. I just don't get it. What did he expect to happen there? Did he really think that it was more likely that Opie was going to say, okay, fine, I'll let you off. Or go over to the other people who have lied to his face and get the money that is rightfully the properties, the companies, the bars. Like, he was obviously going to do that. What did this guy expect? And now, as expected, his friends are going to be like, well, mate, why did you do that? Why have you snaked us? And he's going to have no answer so dumb also all this for two dollars i mean what what is going on i think that amount of money is literally just put in place to make sure that you don't get absolute wrongings coming into this establishment two dollars and you're complaining about it how much to drink what i just don't get it I just really don't get it. But hey, great malicious compliance nonetheless. Don't care about people calling me on your old number? I'll sort it. I just moved to Australia and gotten a new phone. But as it turns out, my number was someone else's old number. Every other week i'd get calls by a tradie who wanted to know why I wasn't on site mate or what I wanted done with building projects ABC every time I explained at length that they got the wrong number and quite often folks on the other end were Absolutely rude or thought I was taking the mic and insisted I answer their questions or show up on site now I was over it So I googled my own number and did some digging and eventually found out the guy who had my number before Then his new number and then I called him. I politely explained my dilemma Pointed out that there were two websites that still had his old my now new number And if he could please change this and let his contacts know about his new number and to delete the old one as it was getting Quite tedious for me by that time i'd used my number for work visa applications and landlords and friends and changing It would have been a huge pain. I explained all of that Well, of course he was just as pleasant as most of his contacts and told me something along the lines off, I don't give a frick mate, that's not my problem. Get screwed. Sort your own stuff out, mate. Well, the universe provides, and so I got a great opportunity to do just that only a few weeks later. I received a call in the early hours of one morning by another disgruntled guy, telling me he was early and demanding to know where I wanted the sand put down and how to get in. I asked what sand, and was told he had a full truckload of sand as ordered, and no one was on site, and it was all fenced off. Very briefly did I think about launching into my explanation, but I was tired, and only over it, and then realized the opportunity provided I snapped back at him with no uncertainty mate, it's all good Dump it all right in the driveway in front of the fence. We'll sort it out when we get there The guy said you sure mate? It's a lot of sand. Absolutely sure mate. Thanks a lot All right, then boss and he hangs up well I go back to bed snoozing for another hour with a big smile until my phone rings again And I see its old mate with his new number who I saved when I called him a few weeks ago I pick up rather chipper and he doesn't waste any time launching into a series of swear words And now he has no access to the site and he has to move a literal ton of sand by hand And whether or not I told the sand guy to dump it all there. I replied you told me to sort this out myself This is me sorting this out. You can remove the numbers and let your contacts know or not Totally up to you, mate He was fuming calling me a few more choice words promising to fire me and a lot more before we ended the conversation However, the numbers disappeared from the internet really quickly after that and I never got another call again I still have my number and every time I see a truck with sand I chuckle to myself Thinking of this guy moving a ton of sand by hand and losing a fair few hours of labor Because he was a douchebag and couldn't be bothered sending a few texts An absolute gem of a malicious compliance story right there I just I just picture this guy right coming up to this place and just seeing a literal ton of sand a lump of sand Blocking his way in and thinking. Oh, no, I really should have really should have sent a few texts. Shouldn't I this is not gonna be fun and once again his, his lack of his lack of getting on top of things and just being rude to you, OP, he deserves this. He really does. Once again, like the previous story, this guy Klee didn't have the brains to foresee how this would end. Therefore, it is on him. That's the beauty of this subreddit, as I said. The fact of the matter is, these guys are just bringing this horrible stuff onto themselves, and it's not even really OP's fault that this happened. What do you expect him to do? Say once again, or just say for the rest of time, sorry, this isn't my number? No. He's gonna get fed up, and he's gonna make you make that change and there you go it happened and now for our final malicious compliance story of this episode this one with over forty-six thousand upvotes by the way boss says if you're one minute late i'm docking 15 minutes from your time gets mad when i don't work the 15 minutes i was docked for free this happened about four years ago i do construction and we start fairly early My boss got tired of people walking in at 6.05 or 6.03 when we start at 6 Even though he was a few minutes late more consistently than any of us were So he said if you aren't standing in front of me at six o'clock when we start then i'm docking 15 minutes from your time For the day the next day I accidentally forgot my tape measure in my car and had to walk back across the job site to grab it made it inside at 6.01. My boss chewed me out and told me he was serious yesterday and clocked me 15 minutes. So I took all my tools off right there and sat down on a bucket. He asked why I wasn't getting to work. And I said, I'm not getting paid until 6.15, so I'm not doing any work until 6.15. I enjoy what I do, but I don't do it for free. He tried to argue with me about it until I said, if you're telling me to work without paying me, then that's against the law. You really want to open the company and yourself up to that kind of risk? Maybe i'm the kind to sue Maybe i'm not But if you keep on telling me to work after you docked my time Then we're going to find out one way or another He shut up pretty quickly after that and everyone else saw me do it and him cave So now they're not going to take this rubbish either Over the next few days guys that would have been one or two minutes late just texted the boss hey, sorry boss, would have been there at 6.02 and got undocked, so I'll see you at 6.15 and I'll get to work then. And then they sit in their cars until 6.15 and came in when their time started. So between people doing what I did or just staying in their cars instead, he lost a ton of productivity and morale because he decided that losing 15 minutes of productivity per person and feeling like a big man was better than losing literally one or two minutes of productivity. Even though everyone stands around BSing and getting material together for the day until about 6:10, anyway after a few weeks of that he got chewed out by his boss over the loss of productivity and how bad the doc timesheets were looking and reflecting poorly on him as a leader because we were missing deadlines over it and it showed that you don't know how to manage your people and then suddenly his little self-implemented policy was gone and we all worked like we were supposed to and caught back up fairly quickly worker solidarity for the win Not one person took his rubbish and worked that time for free after he tried to swing his weight around on them. But obviously, I was a target after that and only made it two more months before he had stacked up enough BS reasons to get away with firing me when I called in a few days in a row after my mum fell and I took off work to care for her and monitor her for a while during the day. Yeah, I was gonna say, OP, you kind of made yourself a target um, and I'm not too surprised that this happened. However, you've got to take solace in the fact and be proud that you as an individual have saved a lot of employees so much. Much time and money I guess by not working for free for 15 minutes if you add up the collective 15 minute periods that you have saved your employees by doing what you did and taking a stand against your boss that is a lot of time and money right there so yeah feel good about that supervisor asks student with cancer to turn on their camera during a virtual meeting and you won't believe what happens next clickbait article titles aside it's a long one it happened two days ago and I'm still giddy Enjoy first of all all the below names are pseudonyms and there are two important background things to know for this story One I was diagnosed with a rare ovarian cancer at the beginning of this year I had surgery and some chemo and i'm mostly recovered now I still have to go in for frequent testing and occasional monitoring I'm a private person to the extent that I have dated people for years without telling my parents So you best believe random co-workers and bosses are unaware of my medical history two I attend a university that has an ambassador program. Basically, if you have a high enough GPA, you are able to interview for the program. And if you get in, they pay for your tuition during the time you are an ambassador. In exchange, you work five hours a week and work graduation or other events. I am one of those ambassadors. This is my story. my supervisor for the ambassador program miss m has spent the majority of our time together belittling me as i sit here about to type about her i find myself already exasperated thinking about reliving some of the details so, I'll be short and sweet for both your sake and mine. She follows every rule to the letter and leaves no room for collaboration or discussion. As an example, we use Microsoft Teams for communication, and she has us clock in and out in a group of 20 people by saying, I'm here, and I'm leaving so every day you have to scroll through dozens of messages to find anything of importance and listen to notification sounds every time someone so much as takes a lunch break i suggested using the time clock function on teams and even offered to set it up for us and was told that i was deliberately undermining my position another quick example is her vehemence when i told her i didn't have any social media to advertise the college she was certain I was lying and went so far as to ask the other ambassadors to try and find me They didn't there's nothing to find crazy concepts I've challenged her at a couple of junctures But ultimately realized I was fighting a losing battle and i'd be better off keeping my head down fast forward to four days ago friday There's a mandatory virtual event in three days on monday where the dean of the college would talk to the ambassadors As well as live stream the event to the college's website and youtube page Miss m sent out a message that I will copy and paste here because the formatting is so dramatic that it makes me chuckle Students must have their cameras on and phones off repeat phones off cameras on like come on lady bold caps or italics Your email almost gave me a stroke. I follow up the same day. Miss M, unfortunately, I will be at a doctor's appointment at this time and will be unable to turn my camera on during the event. No response. I send another email to follow up. No response. The day of the event rolls around. I DM her through Microsoft Teams 10 minutes before. I see that she's seen the message with a red receipt. Nothing. Okay, video chat starts and several students join the sessions with their cameras on then the dean he gets halfway through introducing himself and miss m interrupts him as he takes a brief pause and says excuse me could we please have all of the students turn their cameras on i say nothing but put a quick message i already had typed in anticipation in the group chats miss m i have a private situation that bars me from turning on my camera i've contacted you individually not but a few seconds after i send it i get called out by name and i respond audibly miss m i cannot turn on my camera at this time and she responds expectations were clear and you were told multiple times about this every other student here managed to do it and i expect the same out of you now one of the cool things about having cancer is you become very familiar with the hospital staff and if you're lucky they're fun to talk to During covid my nurses were my tethers to sanity because no one could visit me while I had inpatient infusions So I told one of my nurses amy about the situation beforehand She joked that if I was told to turn my camera on I should really play up my illness In any other situation I would have been entirely opposed but sweet revenge was in sight When I replay it in my head, I imagine that anime fist clenching thing when the protagonist resolves to get revenge. I set my laptop back a bit further from myself on my legs so you could see the entirety of me in my hospital regalia. Teams will display the person currently talking as the largest image in chat. Everyone had their audio off except me, the Dean and Miss M. So when I turned my camera on, I was immediately displayed as the EKG loudly thrummed away on max volume thanks to amy silence i asked miss m through email and teams if i could opt out of having my camera on but she insisted i waited a beat to see if anyone would say anything and then continued with my special vocal blend of melodramatic gratitude and illness laden shakiness virtual engagement is so important for this new era of learning i can see why having the camera on is important though i was hoping i might be granted an exception the dean then said to me You are more than welcome to turn your camera off. I am so sorry for the misunderstanding. Thank you so much for making a special exception for me. It's been a difficult week, but I feel grateful to be here. Then two people leave the call. One was Miss M and the other was Anthony, who was Miss M's boss. I didn't even know he'd been there. I haven't heard from either of them yet, but I'm awaiting a follow-up with anticipation. I'm typing this from the hospital and feeling gratitude for a lot of things is the season after all i'm here i'm alive and above all this stupid disease won't stop me from putting a bully in their god dang place i mean how embarrassing is that how embarrassing i imagine there's a very high chance that this teacher or supervisor is about to get fired straight away it's clear negligence like they've seen the message why not just say yeah personal reasons let's leave her to it what difference does it make having someone have their camera on or not at least they're there. I mean, come on really you're gonna argue against personal reasons And then just having it thrown right back in your face by op brilliant And I really hope this teacher supervisor whatever she is thinks long and hard about this and understands how dangerous What she demanded was and look the karma was great. It's a shame that OP had to do that But by doing that you've shut this woman up and potentially even cost her a job brilliant stuff now moving on to our second story of malicious compliance as per my nda i'm not allowed to discuss this position with former employers since my firing is effective immediately you are now a former employer gather round as i tell you the story of the time i got fired at the worst place i've ever worked from day one it was a nightmare there was zero onboarding or training i was simply given the login info for a couple of different websites and told to get to work this company planned large conferences and i was in charge of speaker coordination I was the only person in this role the information solely resided with me not a big deal i say to myself i'm good at thinking on my feet i'll just ask questions when i need clarification on something that turned out to be impossible my manager's first language wasn't english i'm all for learning new languages i think it's a great skill to have and it takes a lot of work and being able to speak multiple languages is impressive the problem was that her english was so poor that it was often very hard to understand what she was trying to say I once asked if she had time to hop on a call and explain something to me and she responded with no cran Sell skills is a must. I am bird without head It took me a few days to figure out that she was trying to say that things were hectic She was running around like a chicken with its head cut off and she needed me to be self-sufficient Regardless, I did my best in the position small mistakes happened here and there But overall all the speakers were very happy and felt well supported I struggled on the communication with my manager, but I thought the company was happy with my work Until four months in when I was randomly pulled into a meeting with my manager HR and legal effective immediately. I was fired I asked why I was being fired and why this was the first i'd heard of any problems Why wasn't there a write-up or a verbal warning my manager said it was because the 10 minutes I ran the analytics It takes me to respond to an email was too slow That was a bs reason and we all knew it if you don't like me personally fine But don't try and make this seem like I was a bad employee to be honest I was furious. We do the exit interview with HR and then she asked me to send over any documents I had. We worked on personal computers remotely and describe where I was at in regards to our next events and our speakers. NDAs are really common in this field. I've signed one at every job I've ever worked, but this employer's NDA had a clause in it that worked to my advantage. I said, as per my NDA, i am not to discuss intimate details or share documents related to this position with any employer past or future since this firing was effective immediately you are now a former employer and i'm bound by my nda hr hemmed and hawed a little bit telling me that of course i could speak to them about it this was about their events i pulled out my copy of the nda always save contracts and pointed out the exact clause and said that it clearly stated that if i violated this nda i'd be sued so no i couldn't talk to them about the position hr turned to legal and legal pointed out that i was technically correct they were a former employer and i was bound by my nda they fired me 17 days before the events they didn't have time to start over from scratch I still keep in contact with some of my co-workers and apparently the event was a trash show and the manager nearly lost her job because of it over half the speakers pulled out once communication broke down all because i take too long to respond to emails oh that's just the worst isn't it like it's clear that this company just doesn't want you at the company anymore but they're too much of a i don't know insert bad word here to actually just call you out and say that we don't like you because the problem is that you have to have a reason to fire someone otherwise you know you're liable and if you don't give a valid reason for example yeah like this, taking too long to do work or, you know, lack of discipline, etc., etc. You can't just say, we don't like them. That's not a real reason. But hey, if you give a BS reason like this one, then yeah, I expect OP to do what they did. Again, great advice. Like, know your contract and everything. Most people don't, but still... <laughs> Just absolutely put them back in the mud where they belong to be It's a shame because it sounds like you were very good at your job and you knew what you were doing You were under a lot of pressure just working on stuff on your own But you were still managing to do the job well But now without you just because they don't like you a little bit for whatever reason they're screwed tough You can sue me i'm used to it Okay This happened a few years ago in 2016 At the time, I was working for company X in a pretty new industry, think less than 10 years, which means that there wasn't a lot of rules and laws yet. I don't want to give too many details just in case. Most of the people working in that industry were passionate and willing to work for free, That's how I started initially as a writer for another company until company x recruited me see because that industry was new and mostly consisted of passionate people It was also mostly built by friends with barely any knowledge about how to run a business It worked because people loved it but it had a lot of problems. Most of all, everything to do with contracts, paying people, and anything HR. The little startup I was working for was no exception, and I got hired under a specific contract that was supposed to be used for people working for a short time period, not a long-term contract. I was okay with that at first. It was one of my first jobs, and I didn't know any better, but I soon realized it was a way of paying less company tax and that the CEO kept lying to us. We were all under the same contract promising we could get a real contract next month Every month then came the time when I stopped getting paid and that made me angry. Well, i'm not surprised I lived in an expensive city and was paid minimum wage on a trashy contract. So passion had its limits I borrowed money from my boyfriend to make ends meet And the ceo was using some of the company's money to pay for drinks too when he was out with his closest friends in the company after four months of asking for my money and never seeing it coming i went to the ceo and told him that i would sue if they didn't pay by the end of the month also that i was quitting at the same time too he replied go ahead sue me i'm used to it and i'm not scared you won't win That got me so angry that I resorted to suing. Little did he know, everyone was fed up with the situation, and I knew nobody had ever sued him, so I knew what he said was a tactic to deter me. I did my homework, forwarded emails to myself, proving that I was owed money, that my contract should be requalified as long-term because it was hidden work, and asked for a large sum as compensation. When they got served, they paid me the four missing months immediately, asking me to drop all other charges. I said, F you. After just under 10 months, not that long when it's legal stuff with lawyers, etc they folded. I got my lawyer's fees paid by them, as well as a substantial sum of money. I was able to pay back my boyfriend with a small bonus and put some money aside too. Most of all, it scared them so much, they hired some real staff to do the accounting, changed other employees' contracts to long-term to make sure they wouldn't sue either, And now I hear that people are paid in time, which is my greatest reward. Many employees actually thank me for suing them because of how it improved their own conditions. I now work in a different industry with a real contract and I make four times what I used to make. So even though I'm pretty much banned from that industry, I'm totally fine with it and better off now. Don't tell me to sue you when you're wrong because I will. I mean, seriously, how good is that? What are you going to do? Sue me? Yeah. Yeah, I am and i'm gonna do it properly and legally and gonna absolutely destroy a company and actually in the meantime Help out loads of other employees who are getting absolutely shafted by you. It's brilliant It really is ask me to do something i'm gonna do it genuinely though Four months of not being paid is actually crazy. Like yeah, you had to sue in that situation It's it's just ridiculous four months of not being paid I'm, not sure i would have kept going after one month to be honest But you did the right thing quitting obviously you're doing really well for yourself now op And the thing that is so good about this is you've helped out so many people and you've destroyed some horrible people So yeah, again, well done now moving on to our second story of malicious compliance. Sure I'll keep my meals under thirty dollars as per the policy. I'll make sure it's thirty dollars Every single time I do a lot of fly-in fly-out travel for my job Usually i'm so busy with work while on site or i'm stationed somewhere with food options I don't want to waste my calories on and I don't eat anything the whole day or just buy a coffee Our employee expenses policy at work is $30 a day, which is mostly fine, but there are some high cost of living cities and sometimes my meals go above that policy because there aren't that many options, especially if I want to eat healthy. Which is important when you're constantly on the road plus so many airports have completely shut down their food courts and haven't reopened them yet So there's hardly any options but fast food So I submit my expenses one month and i've gone $1.50 over the daily limit Because I treated myself to a coffee that morning as well as a lunch I was tired after the god awful early flight. I had to take the company had recently changed their policy And now a different set of people are approving expenses The previous people didn't mind me going over by a few bucks because it balances out with trips where I didn't eat anything. But this new group are absolute sticklers and rejected the expense, citing that I was over the daily limits. I tried to argue I had 10 other visits that month in which I didn't eat a single thing, but they still weren't budging. It really left a sour taste in my mouth. Now, every single visit, I force myself to spend as close to $30 as I can because screw them. My husband is happy because it means I now bring back, slightly squished but free, food for him. I feel bad for wasting food, but often I just buy a meal and eat a few bites and then throw it in the bin. However, the expense policy is $30 a day and by God, I'm going to stick to it now. While in the past, I might have billed $100 for the entire month because I didn't bother to eat, I'm now billing twice or three times that. I also used to push myself to keep working all day, But now I religiously take my 30 minutes to go and buy some food So that's 30 minutes less work. They're getting from me too. Yeah, I just do not even understand this strategy at all It makes zero sense to me What is like an extra dollar or two to the company? Like if you go over the 30 dollar budget by a few dollars who really minds especially when you're not doing that daily But to say no, you now have to pay all of it because you've gone over or whatever Even the difference even if it was just a couple of dollars and antagonize op to the extent that he's gonna go and do this Why you're just making him unhappy losing money. What's the gain from that? And also I assume it's not just op that this has happened to if they're this stingy about a couple dollars with op They're probably like this with the rest of the employees as well and their lunch money I don't get the long-term play It's just weird and it's gonna make for a workforce. That's just uninspired and ultimately annoyed great management Now for our third story of this episode we didn't break any laws sure go to the authorities This story took place back in the mid 90s My wife and i were newly married and our daughter was still an infant my wife worked in healthcare as a home care nurse traveling from house to house looking after people however after our daughter was born she didn't want a job that put her on the road so much with shifts in the evening so she applied to be a cleaner at the military base near our community two things about our situation that are noteworthy one is that my wife is a visible minority and second, as a healthcare worker, she logs everything as a force of habits. The company that hired her was a national company. The base office usually had five employees. One had recently quit because her husband was moving with his military job to another part of the country. So, the local boss hired my wife to replace her. The four other workers were tight. Louise was the boss, who hired her best friend Donna, Donna's brother Dan, and Louise's niece, Tracy. My wife, was a true outsider. She immediately saw that things were not quite equal. Even though my wife was paid from 4pm to midnight, she was home by 8pm every night. She was also excluded from cleaning the buildings that housed the engineering and tenancy offices. Occasionally, when she would clean those offices, she saw her colleagues rifling through desks and filing cabinets, photocopying documents and other shady stuff. My wife also saw Louise threaten a soldier with extra duties for not opening doors fast enough. Louise's husband was a senior NCO in the unit. But jobs were hard to find at the time, so my wife was willing to accept a little discomfort to her ethics. However, after a few months, the racial epithet started. It started with a nickname, then morphed into slurs and then rumors about her. They started telling racial jokes without trying to hide it, When my wife complained to the four of them that she was uncomfortable, she got called weak and they threatened her employment. My wife then told them that she would go to the head office. So she called the head office from work. Stuart from HR dressed down my wife over woman's talk and told her that she needed to thicken her skin and not be too sensitive. My wife countered that she would go to the authorities. Stuart said, no laws have been broken, so you should go to the authorities. Good luck. Later that shift, she was fired for attitude. So my wife went to the authorities, just not the police. She went to the Human Rights Commission and to the military base headquarters. She gave both photocopies of her logs. The human rights investigation determined that there was a work environment that tolerated racist behaviors. That garnered an apology and an acknowledgement from Stewart, with a smug comment that they will henceforth include a clause about racial sensitivity in their employee paperwork. He even made a comment to my wife that essentially this was nothing. However, behind the scenes, the base had been doing their own investigation. Some of the people whose deaths had been rifled in the tenancy buildings have reported that they suspected they'd been snooped through. The dates of some of their reports match my wife's logs on the date she was there. Louise threatening a soldier was followed up, and it was discovered that Louise's husband had chastised the soldier and arranged for him to do two weeks extra duties. A violation of an abuse of authority statutes the contract with the base required 40 hours of service per week the base pulled the security in key logs showing that work was always done by 8 pm the base was paying for 40 hours per day and getting 20 hours service there was a clause in the cleaning contract that stated that federal government human rights regulations needed to be followed The results of the commission's investigation determines that they were in violation. Other bases were contacted to see what was going on with this company and they found out others were having similar issues. As a result, the base broke the contract with cause. It was a five-year contract broken after the second year. Louise, Donna, Dan, and Tracy were suddenly out of work. The next cleaning company came in. All personnel had to undergo vetting for security. All cleaning was done during the day. Preventing people from rifling desks, 40 hours was 40 hours, and cleaners were not authorized to engage soldiers beyond casual, how are you conversations. My wife went back to healthcare. However, every once in a while, she wonders what Stuart thinks of women's talk now. I'm actually a little bit confused as to what's just gone on in this story. Like, what were these people photocopying? What were they doing in the desk? Who are they working for, really? There's like so much more to the story that we're not ever going to know, really. I presume for privacy reasons, obviously. And, you know, being secret and OP, not wanting to actually disclose who they really are. It's so interesting. Like, what could have been going on here? Why were they doing the things they were doing? why weren't they just cleaning look guys if you've got any suggestions as to what might have been going on here and who these people really were working for or what their intentions really were please do comment down below a very interesting one i don't really know sorry the more i think about it the more weird it is they're photocopying stuff in a military base that's like espionage sort of stuff isn't it that is so weird i actually have got to know what's going on guys comment your theories down below super interesting story once again and again Op of course you did the right thing medical clerk made me stand outside in 104 degree heat So I staged a mini revolution now europeans 104 degrees is 40 degrees celsius. That's insane This took place during the first summer of lockdown where I live some context for you My town is basically on the edge of nowhere We have a medical center for basic stuff, but a full hospital is 30 to 40 minutes in any direction, depending on where you chose to go. With that in mind, we get people from a huge surrounding area that go to our town center for tests, simple medical exams, etc. Maybe as many as 50 small communities use our center on a daily basis, so it is constantly busy. The center itself is quite small compared to hospitals in the city. The various clinics and a basic ER take up most of the space, with an area by the front doors for the public to sit in if they're waiting for a ride or someone visiting a doctor. It is that waiting area that is the cause for my story today. One day, during the first summer of lockdown here, I had to go to the medical center for tests. Some things to know about me. I'm challenged with multiple disabilities. I'm legally blind, have significant mobility and balance issues, and a rather severe heart condition. As such, I use a walking frame and travel using the city's provided disabled transports. That particular day, I had finished my test early and had 45 minutes to wait until my transport was scheduled to return to pick me up. I figured no problem i'll just sit in the waiting area and well wait i shuffled over to the seats with my walker plainly evident and was confronted by a new sign staff only say what now i looked around at all the empty seats and vacant tables and turned to the clerks at the entrance can i please have a seat in the waiting area until my transport comes back the clerk said coldly no it's staff only you need to wait outside uh i can't stand for 45 minutes waiting for my transport I gesture to my plainly apparent walking frame that I was clearly leaning heavily on not my problem There are benches to sit on outside Yeah, but the benches are full and we're supposed to be social distancing not cuddling up to random strangers on a park bench If you want I suppose I could let you take a wheelchair out and sit in that And how am I to manage a wheelchair and my walking frame at the same time again? Not my problem if you want, you can call centre management when you get home. Are we done here? I guess we are done. Huh. And I went outside to find a spot to wait. Well, I stood outside for the 45 minutes while the sun beat down on what turned out to be a 104 degrees Fahrenheit day. Again, that's 40 degrees Celsius. That is insane. As I stood there, I noticed that there was a line of patients growing steadily longer, also standing outside in the heat, waiting to be let into the building. Some looked fit, but let's face it Nobody comes to a medical center because they feel a hundred percent Most of them actually look quite ill and some were looking pretty faint by the time they got through the doors By the time my transport arrived I was badly sunburned thirsty as heck Exhausted and feeling more than a bit faint myself My driver was shocked and insisted on walking me to my front door when he got me home to make sure I was okay by the way shout out to all transport drivers you guys rock the rest of the day was a complete loss I spent it drinking water sleeping and nursing the burns on my shoulders and face. I was a right mess The next day, however, I was fuming I had plenty of time to recover and to think and I kept coming back to that line of patients Standing in the heat the more I thought about it the angrier I got Cue malicious compliance the words the clerk so smugly said you can call center management when you get home if you want dance through my sun-baked brain like a mantra so i did it i called center management what followed was a half hour conversation with the sweetest lady she was so nice and so upset when i told her all that went on the day before she was especially concerned when she found out about the line of people waiting outside by the way that turned out to be one of the hottest days that we had that summer after our talk the manager promised to look into it and get back to me now normally that's sort of a brush off right not so with this lady two days later she called me back turned out she had spent the day before sitting at the clerk's desk observing things that went on things like patients being forced to stand in the rain waiting to get into the center patients being poorly spoken to by that same clerk and the cherry on top at one point a tiny elderly lady tried to sit down in the waiting area and that same clerk ran over and rudely shoved her aid and snapped staff only with her boss sitting right there the manager went over tore down the signs apologized to the lady and helped her to a seat then took the clerk into her office for a chat the results the center was immediately restructured staff were moved into an unused gift shop the waiting area was returned to the public and best of all The registry desks were moved so patients no longer had to stand outside waiting to get into the building I never saw that clerk there again Now look, I know this isn't as exciting as most stories on here But knowing I was part of making things so much better for so many still makes me happy. Dang it I am proud of my mini coup viva la resistance and all that rubbish Hey guys, look, maybe i've got this wrong But I thought that people who work in hospitals are trying to help people get better not make them worse Clearly i've i've not done enough research Such and not had enough experience, but I didn't know that fair enough generally though like 40 degrees for 45 minutes I, I don't think i've ever done that in my life. That is literally like being in a desert isn't it? That's insane The only time i've ever really experienced heat like that for a decent amount of time was probably in qatar But that was like for 10 minutes of walking then we had to go back inside it was too hot but by the way shout out to op for actually raising this as a point but most of all shout out to the call center manager for actually dealing with the problem because it would have been so much easier just to you know say yeah sure we hear you complain and then just you know leave it like you probably would expect but no she went above and beyond and now everyone's lives have improved because of it it's brilliant and now moving on to our second story of malicious compliance look at this for a complex title Yes, sir Just a little indication as to what this story is going to be about OP has given us a little tldr at the top as a soldier. My unit didn't respect my sleep time They do now devil emoji about 15 years ago I was in the army and I had what we'll call a very unique skill set There were several people in my units with that specific skill set, but for some odd reason, all of the hot 20 to 26-year-old females got Monday-Thursday shifts and had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, while guys like me got Thursday to Monday night shifts, despite having seniority over some of the ladies in both rank and time on mission. To make things worse, administrative staff, like our commanding officer and platoon sergeants, our bosses, worked Monday to Friday, and weren't willing to budge on us being active during their work hours. This meant that quarterly training, like PowerPoints we had to watch for sexual harassment, typically occurred both on my day off and in the middle of my sleep time. Given that I worked 16 hour shifts and the round trip to base was an hour, I was perpetually sleep deprived Even if I got off of work on time and went straight home I could get optimistically six hours of sleep per day between driving eating and showering This went on for years over my objections Honestly guys if I could only sleep for six hours a day I'm sure some of you are like that and I feel bad for you honestly I do I'd be such a bad person I'd be so tired the whole time I need my sleep man I literally went nearly two years without a day off Concurrently with my wife a day worker interestingly the army did a study demonstrating that after roughly 18 hours of consciousness you make the same number of stupid and careless mistakes as if you were legally intoxicated sadly no one told my psg platoon sergeant aka boss also paris saint Germain. he decided that sleep deprivation just didn't matter in fact one day when i was transitioning from a junior enlisted technically a specialist but if you're not familiar with army ranks think private to an nco sergeant My psg decided I needed some nco responsibilities reasonable. We were having a range day We had to qualify annually with the m16 rifle and we needed a duty driver to shuttle soldiers back and forth from the barracks I was voluntold Suffice to say that I was on loan to a certain agency and I needed to put in an ops release to miss work It was rejected due to staffing issues at the time There was no one else available that could do a certain thing that I could do I told my psg and he informed me that the ops release was a courtesy I was going and it would only take eight to ten hours But sergeant, I, I tried to explain I worked 16 straight hours leading up to the start of this driving And i'd have to work another 14 straight hours at the end of it On top of that as driver i'd be driving soldiers down winding roads I'm, not familiar with in a van bigger than anything i've ever driven before while half asleep then at the end of what would be a 40 hour shift i'd need to drive 30 minutes to get home does that really seem safe safe specialist do you think the soldiers in iraq right now are safe as i said this was about 15 years ago well no but at least they're getting hazard pay you're dismissed specialist all right so op is about to embark on a 40 hour shift in which he is driving that doesn't seem very reasonable to me so i mean what could i do i only fell asleep twice while driving and both times were at stoplights. I also made every single passenger aware of my sleep situation Keep in mind. I was already sleep deprived coming into this So they made sure to chat with me bring me coffee and do other things that decreased their chances of dying in that van Around hour 38 of this roughly 40 hour shift an important person swung by my place of duty to check on something I was literally standing up, leaning against a cubicle, eyes basically asleep, with four empty quad coffees. If Starbucks had a size above Venti, it would be quad, sitting on my desk. Per tradition, there was an NCO with the officer. I got chewed out backwards, forwards, sideways, upside down, and in dimensions I was not hitherto aware of. By military protocol, the NCO beside the angry officer did the chewing out. He threatened me with actual dereliction of duty charges as well. This ended with, now explain to me specialist, why on God's green earth, you think it's okay to sleep on duty. So I explained to him that I was literally semi-conscious on my feet. I drank so much coffee, I started having heart palpitations and decided to stop and that it was hour 38 on duty and I was simply at my limits. I cannot stress enough that important people cared about what I was doing. A lot really important people at this point the officer steps in you've been doing this for 38 straight hours So I explained to her how i'd had to drive a van around during my sleep time And this important mission had informed my unit that I was irreplaceable But my unit decided it was critical that I specifically the guy with the irreplaceable skill set who was working shift Be the duty driver that day I further explained how this wasn't that uncommon I couldn't even remember the last time i'd had a week where I was allowed to sleep during my sleep time for the entire week Uninterrupted the number of silly things I had to do instead of sleeping was mind-boggling Who is your commanding officer? I tried not to smile as I told her carry on specialist needless to say by lunchtime Aka the equivalent of maybe 1am for me. I got a phone call report to the psg's office right now I sighed. To say that I was sleepy was something of an understatement. And keep in mind, I got home around 8am and had to work again around 4pm. The round trip to base alone would take an hour. Plus, I had to get dressed, be presentable, and deal with their nonsense. Then, undress again afterwards then dressed again and drive back. Please explain to me why the command sergeant major just chewed me out over our in-house scheduling decisions. So I told him what happened. Wait, you told him that? What, should I have lied to my mission commander about my level of readiness, sergeant? He turned red. Like Santa's cheeks, not a Norse berserker. No berserker-like traits at all. Nope, I took a totally professional step backwards. He was about six foot two and 250 pounds of NCO. And uh, I felt like I was hocking all of his oxygen. Get out. So I did. It came down from on high that our unit was to have two quarterly training days henceforth. No more waking our shift workers up one to two times per week every freaking week for administrative rubbish. Period. All missions were informed that our soldiers would be doing one of the two training days pick one. Happy ending, right? Yeah, that's uh, never how it works in the military when you get someone above you in trouble. What's the nastiest stupidest duty you can imagine giving someone that was stateside in a strategic unit the urinalysis guy For those of you that don't know it's his duty to plan and execute urinalysis This requires literally looking at your fellow soldiers junk because there are a variety of products that can fool a urinalysis And the only way to you know what just trust me. It's nasty fortunately, there was a loophole You see the powers that be are aware of the good old boys system that develops sometimes in the army And it's really really important that the guy with the grenade launcher isn't also on crack As a result per regs as they existed at the time and maybe even now if the urinalysis guy calls a urinalysis It takes a full bird kernel to cancel it. That's one step down from a general That's right when the urinalysis guy decides it's time for the monthly urinalysis wake up get in uniform, drive to where he says it's happening, and God help you if you've got alcohol or something in your system. To make matters worse for them, a friend of mine, let's call him Kroger, had been punished for having alcohol in his system during one of their urinalysis. It was on his days off because he was a shift worker and it was during hours that were duty hours to the day workers But off duty for us So I had about a year left with no intention of re-enlisting and my unit had already been slapped down by angry people for mucking with me Let's do this malicious compliance time imagine this it's 11 o'clock on a friday on a long weekend p.m That is long for them. Not for me You see shift workers didn't get holidays off unless we took leave And I needed mine for family time like thanksgiving and christmas because without it i'd have been working every single holiday The mission must go on after all now Anyone that's ever seen an army movie knows that joes like booze and anyone that's ever had to do a urinalysis Knows that they can detect alcohol mind you being a urinalysis guy is a big deal you're on legal orders and everything entered into big army's database between the time i began the formal process of calling a urinalysis and the time i would have had them coming in roughly 3 a.m on their days off since they'd established the precedent that soldiers don't get days off whenever we complain about losing sleep to stuff like this my orders vanished to this day i don't know how they did it I suspect that our co or some other bigwigs were at a party or something and realized that they were about to have to explain to a full bird Colonel how half of the unit pissed hot in a urinalysis, which would have required Legally that colonel having a one-on-one chat with me about why I chose that time And perhaps a discussion about how the unit was being run. Yeah They never gave me another duty the entire time I had left in the army I never had an issue with another leave request, and they generally just left me alone. At the time, I thought it was because I'd made my point that I was sick of their rubbish, but looking back, I wonder who would have come up positive for what specific drugs during that surprise your analysis such that they were able to rescind my big army orders in less than a day and in the middle of the night at that it does seem a little strange to me honestly that you were given all that power op i would have thought that you know drugs tests are a very important thing well they are and therefore wouldn't be done internally maybe by someone else or you know their own specific sector but clearly not clearly they don't mind that much i mean that just seems a bit weird like imagine the blackmailing you could possibly do. Say you said to someone like your horrible boss, oh, by the way, you're doing a drugs test tonight at 3 a.m., and he knew he was gonna fail, you've got him in the palm of your hands right there. I mean, you did, clearly. It's a weird one that that would be an internal thing, but hey, uh, yeah, I guess he got kind of lucky that it was given to you. You know what, I just wanna know though, what was his specialized skill? He never explicitly said it. OP, comment on this video and tell me. And also you lot watching, comment down below. What do you reckon his very unique skill was? I reckon it might've been party animal balloons. Who knows? Boss told me, if you don't like it, then leave so i did when i was younger i worked as an engineer for a small company the owner who i'll call jake let me know before i started that i'd be doing about 10 hour days six days a week for about six months But that I would have to be flexible some days they wouldn't have work for me and other days i'd be expected to stay a few hours late This didn't bother me too much as I wasn't too tight for money And I didn't mind staying behind a few extra hours occasionally I got to work and was told to follow instructions from the owner's brother steve He was an arrogant character who always thought he knew how to do everyone else's job better than them We butted heads a few times but nothing major a few months in I found a new job starting in a week that paid better Later on that day. I had another disagreement with steve the situation was petty But it's his response that really confused me. It ended with him screaming in my face If you don't do as I say then you can freaking leave So I packed my stuff and left Steve was a little confused thinking i'd just fall in line He was too arrogant to apologize and I had a job lined up side note for people not in the uk I was working a zero hour contract. This means I get an hourly wage But i'm not afforded some labor rights like a set salary minimum work hours or notice for dismissal This works both ways though. So I can leave the job whenever I want with no notice I decided to call up jake since he'd always been chill and told him what happened He told me he needed me and I should just return to work I told him unless he controlled steve and made him apologize. There was no way I was coming back He refused. So I told him i'll send in my final timesheets two weeks later and i've started my new job I still haven't been paid for my final week. So I called jake He told me that since you didn't give notice for leaving you owe me for lost product of work he said if I didn't like it, I should sue him. And he recommended I should just take the loss and move on. This was complete BS. A couple months go by until I finally find time to file for small claims courts a few days after sending him notice jake paid my money including court fees and extra he actually called me up apologizing for the confusion he wanted to know when i could return to work now i'd heard from one of my ex coworkers that because of the infrequent hours people would leave as soon as they were told they wouldn't have work the next day Others would leave when they realized how much of a jerk Steve was. They'd gone through about seven different workers in the time I was gone and struggled to keep anyone for more than a week. I told him I'd think about it. I managed to string him along for a few weeks before he eventually stopped calling me. The moral of the story is that if you think you're being treated unfairly, you shouldn't just put up with it Your self-respect isn't worth compromising. Don't settle for being treated like rubbish Especially when you're willing to go above and beyond for them OP, I totally get what you're saying. If you are in a bad position at your job, then of course, if you have something else better lined up, then that's a great thing to go and do and, and leave your job, of course. But for the majority of people, I think it's a little bit easier said than done because I don't know about you, but I doubt that the majority of people in work have another job just lined up ready to go so that they can leave their first one. So although it's great for you to go and get a new job and, you know, have much better hours and get off that, you know, zero hours contract and all that stuff, which is great. Um, I think for most people, it would be a little bit harder than that, but hey, we'd still a great job so props to you and now moving on to our second story keep bowling the pro shop will fix it okay i had forgotten about this until recently and thought i would share i think it fits in here it's not a huge thing but it resulted in me getting something i wanted but couldn't afford and then winning money with it when i was younger and through my early to mid adult years i was an avid bowler 200 plus average back when that actually meant you were good before the bowling ball technology boom which comes into play here and i worked at the local bowling center from the time i was 16 through to 21 or so and then again later on in my early 20s working the back Pin setters front of house, etc. So I knew how things operated what could go wrong, etc I was bowling at a different center one day the first frame after each shot My ball came back with a small nick out of it. Nothing major, but yeah So I put that ball away and brought out an old ball that I never used but was in one of my bags Next two or three shots, another nick each time fourth frame It finally came back with a fairly large chunk taken out of it Usually that means there is a nail or a screw that has worked its way loose And the ball is catching on it or a piece of metal has broken near the ball lift and is cutting into it i take the ball up to the counter and tell the manager and show him what had happened now i was only four frames into the game and said i would move and he said no they couldn't move me as they had a party coming in and no lanes were available he said to just keep bowling and that the pro shop will repair the ball i asked if he was sure He said yep he'll go in and tell them to fix it and the center would pay for it most pro shops are individually owned and operated the owner rents the space from the center this was no exception now having done simple pro shop work before i know for a fact there is no way it can be fixed if i keep bowling with it and this keeps happening one gouge can be repaired fairly easily as long as it's not in the track of the ball The track is the contact point where your ball rolls down the lane. So anything in that line just can't be fixed and will throw off the ball as it rolls since it can't be perfectly rounded back. Depending on the core of the ball and how you throw it, the track can be three to four inches wide as the ball flares going down the lane. But massive multiple gouges all over the place? Nope. So I keep bowling two or three games knowing that I am getting a new bowling ball out of this. Of course, the huge chunks keep coming out of the ball I get finished and there probably isn't a two inch by two inch section of the ball that isn't damaged I take the ball into the pro shop and the conversation goes like this The pro shop guy says what the heck happened to this ball? Did it get hung up in the pin setter or something? The lane I was on damaged it each time I threw it The manager said that you would fix it Well, why did you keep bowling? I can't fix this Well, the manager told me to keep bowling even after I showed him the first gouge The pro shop guy then calls in the manager of the center I know you said he was bringing in a damaged ball But did you tell him to keep bowling after you saw the damage? Yeah, we couldn't move him So I told him to just bowl out his games and you would fix it said the center manager. I can't fix this You're gonna have to replace his ball. The manager was shocked. What? Cue a bunch of arguing back and forth about why it can't be fixed the ball. I have they don't carry Etc fine replace it with anything on the wall except for the excalibur the Excalibur was almost 50% more expensive than regular bowling balls. It was the first reactive resin ball on the market. Reactive resin is a compound that made the ball hook much, much more than a traditional urethane ball. It revolutionized the game and ruined it, according to some, since it allowed average or below average bowlers to suddenly improve drastically due to not having to be anywhere near as accurate and it took a lot of the skill from the game but I digress. So I can pick any ball other than the Excalibur and you will pay for it. Drilling and all, I say? Yes, said the manager. Okay, thanks. And the manager leaves. Can I have store credit for that ball on the wall, but then apply it to the Excalibur and I'll pay the difference? Sure, we can do that. And the pro shop guy then proceeds to measure my hand and drills the ball and I pay like 40 bucks for what was then between a 150 to 200 dollar ball that I could not have afforded at the time. I bowled my second ever 300 game with it less than a month later and won two center tournaments with it and a bunch of high game pot money during league play. That ball paid for itself 10 times over in the first two months Again, OP, very well done to you for getting an insane deal out of that But I just don't really get what the manager was ever thinking was going to happen there I mean, he could see the gouges that were happening after just a few frames It was like, you know what? I can't bother to sort all this admin out and, and have this person switch frames and ruin my big old party Just destroy the ball Was that ever a good idea? I don't really know To be honest, reading this story just really makes me want to go bowling again Because I've not been in so long and it's so good That's the main takeaway from that I mean, I'd rather not have my ball get broken But hey, I wouldn't have my own ball But um, yeah, the thing is like with this manager your op has taken his own balls, right to bowl with Otherwise, they wouldn't really care if it was, you know Getting gouged a little bit because it's the center's ball anyway, but it's his own ball He's obviously gonna care if it gets broken and he's gonna want to get it fixed Surely deal with it at the point that it's getting broken and not wait till it gets completely destroyed before fixing it I don't know. That's just what I would do if I was manager of a bowling center But hey, that's me. Is this the hottest wing you have? I used to own a wing joints nothing fancy but a good selection of wing flavors and beer inevitably we would have people come in and order the hottest wings i had i like super spicy foods so these were pretty dang hot of those people about five to ten percent would always start the joke or sarcastic conversation these aren't that hot can't you do better yuck 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 one of my best regulars a dentist who fancied himself a gardener decided to help us out and planted a ghost pepper bush at the time the hottest pepper in the world and he could bring us the bounty of his harvest now he would intentionally underwater the bush so the peppers would be as hot as they could be when he would bring us the peppers i would grind them seeds and all into a nice paste, which i would combine with our hottest sauce and keep to the side for when our spicy wing connoisseurs would show up and complain about the hot sauce not being hot enough i would only serve them one deathhead wing it seemed a fitting name i would make them wear gloves to eat it To prevent capsaicin burns on their skin. I would specifically tell them about the heat they were about to get into Trying to dissuade them from eating this culinary monstrosity By the time we got through all of this every single person always now viewed this as an insult to their manhood Never had a woman complain about heat But would sometimes actually ask if there was another level they could try and they could not be stopped from eating this wing So they did Now the fun thing about capsaicin oil is it can often take a few seconds to kick Usually just enough time for the person to scarf down the wing And start to smugly tell us how it wasn't that hot And then the heat would begin And once it started it was relentless Now the wing was free But the cup of milk after was $20 I never had a single person ask for a second one yeah, guys, to be honest, that doesn't really surprise me that only men have done this because, you know, you do get some men that have massive egos and they'll hear hot wing and they'll see it as a challenge and they'll just say, you know what? Give me your hottest wing. Well, you ask for our very hottest wing. Try and handle this bad boy. You can just picture their faces, can't you? They take a bite. They're thinking to themselves, hot? <laughs> this, is, this is barely anything. Then the heat sets in and they're like, oh snap, I'm in the mud here. I'm in massive trouble. And then you just have a very enjoyable rest of your day leading up until you go to the toilet. Wow, that must be pretty incredible now moving on to our second story You can't continue working from home because you go idle in chat too often As part of the plan to return to office post covid My company has done a lot of redesignating of who can permanently work from home who can hybrid etc I really wanted to work from home full-time I hate the office with a burning passion. It's distracting, it's a long commute, there's no benefit to being there, so on and so forth. I'd just rather be at home. Well, when we thought that May was going to be go back to office time, they started giving out the new designations. I got designated as in office full time. It made no sense to me. I work on a team of eight people and each of us is in a different office somewhere in the country. I've literally never been to an in-person meeting or needed to do in-person work in three years at this company Every single other person on my team got designated to work from home So I brought it up with my boss and asked to work from home when I started at this company and lived elsewhere I got to work from home for four months before I moved And the past 14 months during COVID, I've been at home. So 18 out of the 36 months at the company, I've been working from home. What I was told though, is that I go idle too often in chat to trust me working from home. Basically, we have a company-wide IM system that shows you as available, idle, or in a meeting. If you don't touch your keyboard for five minutes, you show as idle. So they've decided to use this as a measure for who is working and who isn't. The thing is, like many people in many types of jobs, I don't have stuff to do for a full eight hours every single day. The amount of work I have to do on a typical day takes three to five hours of actual attention. There simply isn't something to do all the time. My performance numbers actually went up working from home by all objective kpi numbers i'm a better worker at home in fact in the kpis that i don't flat out lead the team in i come in second there isn't work to do that i'm neglecting or procrastinating when something comes up i simply do it until it's done or until i can't do it anymore due to waiting on someone else then i stop now i've done that method for long enough that my work queue stays empty because i work to get my queue down to the point where when something comes up i can immediately address it and be done with it but because i have other ways to spend my time in downtime instead of messing around online at my cube pretending to be working meaning i show idle more often I'm a worse worker apparently. I was told if it weren't for that, they would let me work at home. So what did OP do to combat this? Well, I wrote a six line PowerShell script that virtually inputs the period key every four minutes that starts running every day at 8 AM and stops at 5 PM. So now I literally never go idle. I do the same amount of work and I still read books, watch TV and play video games on the side. But I have a shiny green check next to my name all day. That is brilliant. Because of COVID complications, they eventually said no going back until after Labor Day. I just had a meeting with my boss and he said over this time, they've noticed I go idle a lot less than I used to. So they're changing my designation to work from home. All because of a little icon in some software. This concludes my TED Talk on why low to middle level managers are the dumbest, most useless do nothing positions in all of corporate america uh yeah op that's just absolutely brilliant what a thing to think of and i just don't really understand though from from the manager's perspective is that really a way that you can tell if someone's working or not whether they go idle or not in a chat surely you would base you know how well they're doing based on what their actual output is you know are they actually doing the work are they getting things into you on time are they making a meaningful contribution to the to the company and are they doing their job surely you wouldn't use a little icon as op OP says to judge somebody's job and how well they're doing it and how much time they're spending doing it That's crazy to me. Look OP is completely right in the majority of jobs You're not constantly working for the you know, the full time you're sat at your desk That would be incredible Like you could not work for 10 straight hours a day for your entire life You would you know fall over and die so so to actually you know expect someone to do that I'm, not so sure honestly if I was somebody's boss, right and I had two employees One of them was I saw completely working throughout the entire day doing task after task after task I would actually kind of worry i'd say to myself. Yeah, they're working hard But are they actually you know efficient at the work? Do they know what they're doing or or, you know pretty much questioning? You know, why is it taking them so long to do the same amount of tasks that i've got this other employee doing that is doing it in half The amount of time honestly, if you're able to do your job quickly, you should not be penalized That is the main point of this and now moving on to our third story of today's episode My meal must be salt free this story is from a dinner party I hosted before the pandemic I invited six folks, and shortly after the invites were sent, I received a call from Sally. Now, Sally advised me that she was now on a salt free diet due to medical reasons. She advised that at home she cooked without any salt and gave me a speech about how wonderful salt-free life was I was skeptical and advised her that I would personally find it difficult to give up all salt Was she sure she wasn't just on a low sodium diet? Sally advised that unless her dish was salt-free she wouldn't be attending Now I was already annoyed at Sally for years of being difficult at the dinner table and restaurants Trust me for her There was always something wrong with her meal or its preparation or the flavor or the waiter or whatever So with a smile so large you could hear it through the phone I assured her that her request for salt free was 100% going to be accommodated on the dinner nights I prepped the meal sally was getting the same thing as everything else with one critical difference All of her food was prepped in separate containers, baked on separate racks, and seasoned with exactly the same flavors, just without the salt. Dinner time and my guests arrive. I have all of Sally's food plated on white plates. Everyone else gets grey plates. First round, appetizers. Fried calamari with a lemon jalapeno butter sauce. This dish typically has salt in both the batter and the sauce. As Sally couldn't have that, I battered her calamari in salt-free seasonings and flour. Her condiment looked exactly the same, but was made with unsalted butter and no added salt. I place Sally's plate in front of her first and she immediately states she asked for salt-free. Now I assure her that her dish is salt-free and I made sure to cook her separately and even use a different color plate to keep it straight. We all sit to talk and enjoy the squid. Sally takes a bite and makes a face, mine has no flavor she exclaims all of my other guests tell sally it's divine delicious best they've had etc i smile at sally and assure her that her dish was flavored exactly as everyone else's the only difference is that she received absolutely no salts it's at this point that sally has a moment of clarity it's painfully obvious on her face She realizes she can't complain about the lack of salt as she's already told the table about her salt-free life. She also can't claim it tastes terrible if everyone else is raving about the food. She literally looks like she was about to cry at the table. As my guests enjoy their dinner, Sally is slowly doing the toddler plays with her food thing and pushing her calamari around the plate. After a few moments, she reaches for the sauce that I made for everyone else. Sally, be careful. The salt-free sauce is in the white bowl. That one has salt. She mumbles something about wanting to taste the difference before literally dumping the bowl on her calamari. She then exclaims how much better it tasted you and I know that of course things taste better with salts So this drama repeated itself over the main course of honey roasted salmon with pine nuts I also am no heathen and had both salt and pepper on the table for my guests I'm not gonna judge you for needing more flavor. Here we go Sally takes a bite of her fish and once again realizes that it has no salt she reaches for the salt shaker and conversation stops. Another guest asks Sally if she was okay with adding salt to her food. She then says that she can occasionally have salt. She then proceeds to shower her fish with salt sprinkles. Now, I'd also bake some cookies for dessert. The dough uses a little salt. So I made sure to whip up a separate batch of cookies wrapped to go for her. Salt-free, of course. When I handed her those cookies, the look of defeat that hit her face warmed my heart. Dinner is over, everyone is happy, except for Sally. I called her the next week to make sure she was okay, as of course, she's consumed sodium at my party. Sally then told me that her doctor had since removed her sodium restrictions and she won't need that accommodation at future meals. On the phone, I congratulate her for her good health. When i hang up i laugh until my sides hurt salt free life apparently doesn't taste good when the salt is actually omitted who would have thought a final note to anyone on a low or no sodium diet for their health i commend you but sally was not actually on this diet this is evidenced by her shock at how salt free food tasted i confirmed with her husband that she's never stopped using salt at home her salt-free claims were a ploy for attention that backfired tastelessly. Now, I think that story is probably one that you and I can both relate to. I mean, I've had it multiple times where, you know, one of my friends or someone I know will go, oh, I'm going vegan for a month or, you know, oh, I, I have no snacks or no chocolate. Then the next day you'll literally see them going against that diet. And it's just, it is funny, isn't it? Like. Do they do it for attention? Do they do it to like, I don't know, make themselves feel better about themselves? Look, vegan diets and and any diets like that are great But I don't really get why you need to tell someone about it. That's my main thing And by the way, i'm not trying to take anything away from people who are vegan or like op has said people who don't have sodium Or any other diet out there for whatever reasons whether you know, it's a health thing or you just want to do it You feel better about yourself, whatever. It's none of my business But if you're then telling everyone about it and then not actually doing it So literally just using it as a ploy for attention. At that point I've got a problem. Like what is your point? What what is the point of this person? Like seriously, Sally, why do you exist? That's my question to you. If you've got nothing better going on about yourself than to have this fake diet, seriously, like get a hobby. Become a little bit more interesting, Sally at the moment I'm bloody bored of you. Do you know who I am? I've been reading many of these militarious compliance stories, and it made me remember one of my own. So, when you're working a gate or any sort of security post, you get used to some of the same people coming through, and you don't really need to check their ID, such as your relief, the same delivery driver that's already come through five times on just your shift, friends and/or family. So you just wave them through. It counts as like visual confirmation. Well. We had some joker that was getting kicked out of the military and he decided he didn't really care who was coming in so he would just wave everyone through whether he knew who they were or not well lo and behold leadership finds out and rips him a new one and comes down with a policy of visual confirmation is no longer an adequate means of access and that we have to check every id of every individual entering the installation from now on So we figure it's stupid, but hey rules is rules So the day goes on without much problem besides the random serious, you know who I am We were just hanging out and us telling them. Hey, I know but policy has changed and it's 100% checks And they realized hey, you're right things change all the time Everything was going fine until base commander a two star comes through and we id him Do you know who I am? Why are you ID'ing me? Of course, sir. You're Major Jen Snuffy, base commander. Well, then why are you ID'ing me? Well, because the policy that you signed says specifically, and I quote, Absolutely. No one is allowed through by visual confirmation So after a few choice words about how he's the base commander and saying he'll make sure it's dealt with appropriately We get his id and offer him his proper customs and courtesies and off he goes Well, not more than three minutes later We get a call from flight chief about how dare we stop the base commander We are never to do it again. And we're just like well the policy says to stop everyone and anyone. Yeah the policy only lasted that shift until they changed it to pretty much no one but the top select individuals so pretty much anyone with a picture on our wall was allowed visual confirmation everyone else has to be id'd it still was funny to stop the base commander due to his policy that he signed and didn't think it could possibly butt him in the butt Yeah, let's be fair here If you're gonna make a rule that every single person who comes into the base has to be id'd then doesn't matter if you're the base commander or not You're gonna get id'd and that is policy that you just signed off on You can't really have too many complaints about that now. Can you it's quite funny though? How quickly that decision was reversed when the guy realized oh wait, this is absolutely stupid everyone knows who I am I run this place. You don't have to id me and also my other friends are in top positions But everyone else has to get id'd now moving on to our second story paranoid flatmate thought i was cheating her this happened 10 years ago when i was studying abroad in spain i'd rented a four-bedroom apartment and then advertised the other rooms trying to find nice flatmates the first two were great but i was struggling to find a third one there were some people interested but i just had a bad feeling about them In the end, I decided to accept this Russian girl against my better judgments. She was trouble from the beginning, always in a bad mood, always acting as if the world owed her something. She said many times she hated Spain, and I'm thinking, well, why are you here then? She always seemed paranoid that she was being cheated by everyone. For example, once she found out I didn't pay the same as the other three. Obviously, I paid less. I was the one who found the flat it was my name on the contract and all bills i was liable for all damages they weren't my friends i didn't have a contract with them it was all casual so she told me it was illegal to sublet and that if i didn't start paying the same she'd call the police i told her it was only illegal if the owner of the property wasn't aware of it she actually found the number of the owner and called him to complain about me luckily he's a cool guy and told her i have my contract with him Whatever you agree with him is your problem I only know this because he actually called me saying that girl is trouble Anyway, this long year comes to an end and we all need to go back to our countries before that We need to calculate our final expenses the way it works in spain They only check your gas and water twice a year I think in the meantime you pay an estimate and when they check they adjust and you either pay more or receive money back To simplify the calculations i've been the one paying all the bills every month then once they checked the gas and water and we had the correct number i'd be able to calculate exactly how much my tenants owed me trying to avoid any complaints from the russian girl who i was sure would think i was cheating her somehow i made the clearest table possible every bill was attached to it the final thing you need to know for this to make sense is that halfway through the year a friend of mine found himself with nowhere to live I had an extra mattress, so I told him he could stay with me until he found a new place. He only stayed for three weeks, in my room, but he's the tidiest person I know. So, he was cleaning the apartment and would surprise us with dinners, etc. My other two roommates actually told me we should kick the Russian out and have my friend move in permanently with us. Eventually though, he found a new place and left us. So, When I was calculating the expenses, I thought it would be nice to just deduct 10 euros from what each flatmate owed me to compensate for the extra water, gas, electricity he spent. It was extremely generous. There's no way his presence added 30 euros onto our bills, but I did it anyway. After doing that, the final total was something like 304 euros per person. I told them to just round it down to 300, thinking I was the most generous landlord they'd ever find. But of course the russian girl wasn't happy. She told me she didn't think it was fair that I was just guessing it That my friend had stayed for almost a month So I should recalculate it but divide one month by five instead of four I just rolled my eyes like it must be so exhausting being you. So I said, okay, let's do it together So you don't think i'm cheating you She sat by me and we revised the accounts and voila by doing it her way. She now owed me more It was only like five euros more But of course, I didn't round down this time. I had her give me every last cent. When the world is dark and I'm depressed, one of my favorite memories to go back to is her face as she was handing me those final worthless coins. Oh, that is brilliant, isn't it? When someone thinks they're getting cheated out of money, but in reality, you're actually giving them a really good deal and they go back on it and they're like, you know what? No, I want the actual amount, the fair price. And it's more than they expected. Brilliant scenes. You know what? I actually had a similar thing happen to me at university in my second slash third year when I was living in a house with my mates. Uh, They do these estimated bills in England as well for gas, electricity, that sort of stuff. And we were paying way under the price of what we were using. So we had a massive bill. I think it was over a thousand pounds, to be honest. It was an insane amount. Which kind of shocked us all but um, yeah That is why it's probably best to keep on top of your bills and your estimates and make sure the estimates are actually legit Um, I don't even know if this is relevant to any of you watching But hey thought it'd be interesting how me and my flatmates lost almost a thousand pounds because we um Underestimated the price of gas. Let's move on now moving on to our final story of this video Breaks are 15 and 25 minutes and when we say So some context I work in the machine shop fixing the tooling used in plastic injection molding Or at least I should half the time i'm on machines helping slash making parts and maintenance Because they're half a crew down and the company won't hire anyone else since it seems to be going okay without them You know until the time it doesn't naturally machines don't stay running just because it's my break and machining jobs are often best done in blocks to help prevent screw-ups so it's rare that i'll ever get on break on time i'm okay with this my boss is okay with this the unwritten agreement is the later i stay to help get production going the later i can stay on break assuming nothing else needs doing critically so i put off my lunch by an extra half hour and 25 minutes becomes maybe 35 minutes of course there's someone that has to ruin things there always is one day i go late for my first break and leave less than five minutes late the next thing i know i'm in a meeting being disciplined for taking too long breaks see there are a few managers here that keep the whole place functioning in spite of the rest of them a guy that's been here for more than a decade who can run things perfectly and faster than anyone else fired for being on his phone while he waits for the machine to do its thing because he's so quick he outpaces it that is the kind of management we deal with here so i decide no more long breaks i have to take the breaks they specify sure a month passes production is through the floor and downtime time is huge waiting for mostly simple tool repairs get in there with screwdriver and pick out the jam bit sort of stuff. See, it's said that if you can afford the setup cost, you'll struggle not to make a profit on plastic molding, as it creates almost £100 worth of parts every few minutes. So half an hour of downtime there, another 40 minutes there, while I wait for an operator to come back and test it, because I went on break, instead of doing the quick fix while they're here, it adds up. One of the manglers, I mean managers, not manglers, decides to talk with me about this sudden downtime. And I mention how it worked before. Funny, now nobody mentions anything if I'm back a little bit late from my break. Yeah, I mean, from the outset of this story, this was clearly not a set of management that you want to be working for anyway. If they're only working with half the team and can't be bothered or are too lazy, let's just say to invest back into their workforce and you know build everyone up to a full team like it's supposed to be, then they're going to struggle long term eventually anyway. But um, then trying to mess with it again and saying you know what, let's take something that was barely just working in the first place, make it even worse, screw the system, and expect better results. Now, nah, obviously, not going to work. And yeah, OP, you did the right thing there. If you're forced to take a break knowing in your own head it will you know cause a downturn of the entire company well just do it and then let it all play out it's not going to be your fault is it they know that they made a mistake and it was beautiful to watch so yeah well done my dad served my detention when i was a freshman in high school i went to a school that was 30 plus minutes drive away They had a policy that three tardies with a good excuse or not across a semester would automatically assign an after-school detention I was a really really good kid. I never got in trouble ever always really nice and friendly to everybody I worked really hard at everything. I did from sports to studies Even if I wasn't the best at either I tried super hard and all my teachers knew that and all had good rapport with me Now I did get a detention for being late three times But my parents declined to sign the detention notice and explained to administration How I had zero control over when they left and especially no control of road or traffic conditions Even after us leaving extra early to have a time cushion I was only late by a couple of minutes on the rare time. I was even late But administration declined to remove the detention assignments I asked my parents to just let it go and let me serve the stupid attention just to be done with it, or just decline and leave it at that. But they had other plans. The next day, my little professory-looking social worker counselor dad, with the big glasses, briefcase, worn-down notepad, and his prized 20-year-old Montblanc pen, signed himself in to the school to serve detention the next afternoon much of the embarrassment and discomfort of the administrators. They had a hard time holding eye contact with him and were visibly uncomfortable. They found an empty room to put him in and checked in on him once or twice. They even offered to let him leave early, but he declined so he would serve the full amount of detention they assigned and wrote sentences for an hour until detention was over. To my recollection, after that, there seemed to be a differentiation between excused and unexcused tardies. I don't know if that was for the whole school, but for us anyway. It was never an issue for me after that. But like I said, it was rare anyway to even be a couple of minutes late. At the time, I was so embarrassed. But looking back now, it's kind of funny. And I appreciate the point he was making in not letting me get punished for something I didn't do wrong and had no control over. Yeah, I mean to me that makes complete sense, right It sounds like from the post that you get a lift to school with your parents and obviously you can only get a lift at the time When they are driving the car So if they're late it impacts you and there's really not much you can do about that So yeah, op I completely understand where you're coming from It wasn't really your fault that your parents made you late on the other hand for your dad to sit at the tension for you Just shows what an absolute legend he is He knows it wasn't your fault that you've been late to school because clearly you're a model student You do things completely right and you know, you'd never be late to school if you were driving yourself it's your parents fault and they accept that and for that reason he sat at detention like an absolute legend that he is to be fair i wish my dad had sat some of my detentions for me back when i was in school but then again he had nothing to do with them and they were all my fault so uh moving on right then moving on to our second story accuse me of cheating on an open book collaborative exam fine i'll report myself to the honor council this happened about 10 years ago at my american university I enrolled in a class that two friends also happened to enroll in, an elective for our major." The professor whom I will call professor y told us straight off the bat That our entire grade would be based on two exams That would be open book and we could collaborate with anyone else in the class as long as we cited that we did so Additionally, it was the kind of exam where you could submit it as many times as you want before the deadline Professor Y's rules though were that he'd grade easiest on the first try and much tougher with each subsequent try Fair enough now some background on this professor I'm not defending him, but I do think this context is important. He immigrated to the States from another country where women are seen as inferior and the often expectations of women are to be meek and quiet. Maybe less so nowadays, but definitely more so when he was growing up. In class one day, a female student challenged the professor. He argued back. She admitted he made a good point and he said to her, you are very agreeable. You'd make a great wife. Now at this point, I probably should have reported him for sexism. However, we all apparently let it slide. He was in his late 60s, he had tenure, so I think we all brushed it aside as harmless. Hindsight is 2020, of course. I'm female as well, by the way. Fast forward a few weeks into the semester, and the first exam is given to us. My male friend, David, and I did the test together. We submitted it on the same day. On the bottom of my test, I wrote worked with David because I wanted to follow the professor's rules. A few days later, we all got our first attempt at the test back. David scored the equivalent of about a C. Remember, he had further chances to improve. My test though had a big fat zero at the top with the words cheater written on it. I was shocked. I obviously held back after class and asked my professor why this was written on my test. he just started screaming at me i hate liars i hate people like you you're scum you are a liar i could not believe what i was hearing i was sobbing explaining that he said and it was in the syllabus that we could work with other students i asked where i had cheated and the professor had literally underlined the first five words of one question where both david and i had started off the paragraph saying something like the reason that we are seeing these results is and that was that I asked him why he thought I cheated and not David, but the professor wouldn't listen to me and continued to insult me until I left. Now, my university was super strict about plagiarism and cheating. We got emails like once a week about the honor council. All the emails said that anyone caught cheating would be reported to the honor council and sit trial. So I went to their office and reported myself. They were all confused and were like, wait, You're reporting yourself, not the professor? And I told them calmly that I'd been accused and given a zero without any evidence. So I wanted to sit trial. They incredulously told me no student had ever asked for a trial, but I was following the university rules and I was confident I would win. Needless to say, my professor was not happy. At the next class, he pulled me after class and screamed yet again that they were his rules in his class and he decides the grades, not the honour council. I said that's not the university's policy, and if he thought I was cheating, he should have gone to them. Since he didn't, I did. He was livid and tried to pick on me to back down, but I didn't. We had the trial and I obviously won at the end of the semester i organized a meeting with the dean of the school and filed a formal sexism complaint against professor y the dean also incredulous promised to launch a formal investigation into this professor and would be meeting with him to discuss it i'm sure that nothing happened besides a slap on the wrist but even a slap on the wrist was well worth it I tell you what guys the fact that op's professor didn't report the cheating in my opinion Just shows that he knew he was in the wrong in this situation and that obviously op wasn't cheating Otherwise you just report it wouldn't you as op said, you know If if a, if a student is caught cheating then the professors or the teachers would normally report it because that's in the syllabus That's like school law to do that Obviously if your school is you know Very watchful for plagiarism and cheating and stuff like that then yeah, you'd obviously report it I mean if I cheated in my school back in the day and the teacher found out or you know had suspicion They'd obviously report that because that's the dumb thing the fact that he didn't do it proves to me that he knew he was just you know mucking about and being really unfair to be honest So what op did was absolutely brilliant and you know role reversal. Am I cheating? Well, yeah, I think you are but i'm not gonna report it right then I'll just report myself and we'll find out for sure if I am and now moving on to our final story Tell me to drop the class if I don't like your rules Okay, then you'll lose five students and your job so when i was a freshman in college i registered for a basic english 102 course that doubled as a humanities credit. i thought great two birds one stone despite the rate my professor for this class being abysmal at best a few things to note i have adhd and dyslexia b's d's p's and g's so i have a hard time reading most times but especially handwritten stuff even my own It's also important to note that i had an ada allowance on file meaning i get some permissions to allow me to take classes and function as normally as possible these permissions included use of my tablet during class to write notes and about an hour longer on tests well first day of class the professor strolls in with the arrogance and snobbitude of someone who thinks they're getting tenured this year He starts talking going over the syllabus and says there will be no phones laptops or technology of any kind in my class you will write all your notes by hand which isn't gonna work for me so i raise my hand and ask him if i can talk to him privately about the rule that went over about as well as a lead balloon and he starts getting snippy and says anything you need to talk with me about can be found in the syllabus But again, I said that I needed to talk to him and that it was pretty important. Finally, he just says to say it to the class. He doesn't have time to take out to deal with whining of any kind. Like, okay, dude. So I say that I'm dyslexic and need my tablet to do the notes and read the assignments. And that my ADA permissions are on file and emailed to all my professors before class. He says, yeah, I saw the email, but I don't care. You can do the work just like everyone else. You're not special even if you were in special ed. The class goes deadly quiet at that. I'm absolutely shocked at his bold and completely hilarious lack of awareness and care for his job. I'm staring at him, open mouthed, and he thinks he's won. He's got this smug little face like I've just been told, and there are no other options, nor is there any way he'll regret his behavior one of the girls in class finally finds her voice and calls him out on his ableism and lack of decorum but he cuts her off saying if you don't like my rules you can drop the class so she says okay and pulled out her laptop and dropped the class right in front of him and taking the cue from her three other students and i do the same and we leave class together i've never met this girl before But she then asked me if I want to go to the dean because honestly i'm really shaken So I said yes and we go straight there telling the dean of students what happened as well as the ada counselor Yeah, I can imagine they're not gonna be that happy about that They took the girl's statements and mine and discovered that this professor had pulled this stuff for years But nobody ever wanted to get involved Six months later. I hear that not only had the professor not gotten tenured, but he was fired and blacklisted from teaching at the collegiate level. Well, yeah, and I should hope so too. I mean, he's clearly ableist. I don't know what he's got against people that have, you know, learning difficulties or are disabled in any sort of way, but why? You've literally got an email. Go in your email account, go in your inbox go in most recent and the email should be there from the ada telling you you know that this person your new student by the way is dyslexic and has to use an ipad or they won't be able to do the work why would you not allow your student to use an ipad just so they can do the work i mean seriously makes no sense to me it's not as if you're saying oh okay because i'm letting one student use an ipad now everyone's going to go on their phones no that's not how it works she's got dyslexia therefore she needs to use an ipad i mean seriously maybe he was just got into the end of his career and was like you know what, i can't be dealing with any of this rubbish anymore They're not this rubbish but he's like you know what i'm not even going to accept anything else to what i want to teach in my class and the way i want to teach it i don't care if you're disabled or whatever you are doesn't matter to me i'm going to teach my lesson you got to deal with it i'm gonna you know retire soon get a lot of money and i'll be good but uh, no fired and no tenure unlucky mate but you deserved it so guys that is gonna do it for this special extended episode of some of the best malicious compliance stories that i've read over the past few months really hope you enjoyed it once again If you do want to donate to the fundraiser, I'm running a marathon. Get down in the description on whatever platform you're on. The link is there. And even if you just donate a couple of dollars, it all helps us get towards that new goal of £5,000. Once again, if you haven't seen yesterday's upload where I dress as a Karen, it's on the screen right now if you're on YouTube. If you're not, it's down in the description below or just type in Redditor wearing a Karen costume and it'll probably come up, unfortunately for me.